Hello and welcome to The Conversation. I'm Heil Russell. And I'm Jeff Honan. Jeff, it's been a while since we caught up with what's happening in Sea of Thieves. but Yeah, yeah, it has. Um, For once, it's not my fault. No. Um, yeah, Sea of Thieves. I really thought Season 7 would probably launch right around E3. One of those kind of shadow drop <laughs> yeah. scenarios. You you came up two you, came, ago, right? you came up to me you know as you do you come up to me you know at the water cooler and you say hey Heil uh, I know you're going to be busy with all the not E three episodes but we really have to squeak in the Sea of Thieves season six discussion because they're going to be launching season seven any day now and I was like Jeff I thought they delayed it and you were like oh <laughs> I think they've got some tricks up their sleeve and I was like all right. Oh, you know, last E3, last last not E3, uh, 2021. Well, that was, was a real it? E3. That was a real E3. Oh, it was E3. Okay, well, they, who, yeah. who fucking knows? Uh, <laughs> was it really? They called it E3 and everything? They, they called um, it E3. It just didn't have the actual shows. It was digital only, and it sucked. Right. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's the one when they launched the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Um crossover in Sea of Thieves to completely like leak free by surprise, which has now just given me just um you know PTSD and just like fear that at any moment because I have to create the content. The the I create the walkthrough guides. I create the blog that tells you everything and it's supposed to know everything. And so mm-hmm. when they just drop content without us, you know, any warning uh, that's like the only time they've ever done that. And I'm just like, how the fuck? Anyway, so I, I, I was up for like 48 hours working on that. Anyway, so this E3, this not E3, I was sure, oh yeah, they're going to they're gonna screw me. They're going to just drop some shit out of nowhere. And then instead they, they said, no, our stuff's not coming until like July 21st. And then mid-July comes around um, once a year. And they said... <laughs> No, 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 no. Season 7, July 21st, that was a lie. We're going to push that. That's going to be August 4th. And so you and I here today, we're, we're, we're talking about Season 6. Right. Season 6 launched March 10th, and it is now, it, we're, we're a couple days uh, away from August. So it's been a long one. Um, but, you know, before we get into that, you gotta, you've got to do diligence. Do you, do uh do your diligence. I'll I'll do it. So I want to discuss the smooth island taste of Jimmy Buffett's Landshark Lager. It's premium quality. It's an <laughs> island style lager, but without uh, how, but without the Corona brand. It's amazing. I so drink many it. People, I drink it oh, every sorry. conversation since the last one. So many people accuse you of being a paid shill. Yeah. And yeah. you've never gotten money from anybody. You're, you're poor. <laughs> I'm so poor. I'm pulling out my pockets right now to show you in a comical he, fashion. Yeah, his pockets are... Yeah. There's Okay, well, you've got a sticky piece of already sucked on candy in there. But otherwise, 
and you, you come out with this Jimmy Buffett pitch as if you're being paid. I want to assure people, Jimmy Buffett doesn't pay Heil. I was a little hard on Mr. Buffett last week, and I was like, well, that was uncalled for. So I'm hoping to turn our relationship around and to have a proper sponsorship. Now, I don't know if this will get to him, but I know Jimmy Buffett likes the ocean. He likes the sea. Presumably, he likes pirates. Maybe he'll listen to this while he's scrolling through podcasts, trying to find something that tickles his fancy. So, Jimmy Buffett, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll gladly shill your land shark lager. That's well, it's my- funny that you bring up Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> it's it's funny because um, I am wasting away in Margaritaville over here. Now, they're not Jimmy Buffett branded. Um, but I figured, you know, see if these is a tropical island game. I got to have some tropical island drinks. So I am two margaritas deep. They are 13% alcohol by volume. Oh, nice. And um, it's just a good time. You know, I'm just having a good time. Let's, uh, is that really all the due diligence that you... Well, Jimmy Buffett, bitch. You know, I, I, I figure, you know, Patreon, our, our Patreon, it's important to talk about. But I think Jimmy Buffett's pockets are, are deeper than our usual True. listeners. So I'm aiming high this this week. I, I'm, I'm shooting for the stars and hoping I might just catch one. But also check out DK <laughs> Vine on Patreon because that's really where our actual income <laughs> comes from. So. Yeah, it doesn't come from YouTube. It doesn't come from Jimmy Buffett. Any corporate <laughs> Jimmy Buffett. Uh, sure as fuck doesn't come from Microsoft, as it, as is, has been accused in the past. Yeah, no. uh, yeah, yeah. But Jeff, what do you slave away at um, for no monetary gain? Yeah, well, uh, I already alluded to how I am running a Sea of Thieves blog I, I started up uh, four years ago. And uh, it's called Golden Sands Blog Post. If you like Sea of Thieves and you want to keep up with what's going on in the game, time-limited content, walkthrough guides, uh, and, and things of the like, look for Golden Sands Blog Post. Uh, you can find it at medium.com slash golden hyphen sands hyphen blog post. Or more easily, just go to twitter.com. And look for at Golden Sands blog. And that is my pitch. Heil, um, over in our live stream chat. Yes. Alter mentality slash Courtney, uh, who was on the last episode with you, uh, is asking, why are you still drinking the Jimmy Buffett drink? Because I bought a whole case. They were on sale. Oh, and okay. Uh, when I say a whole case, I think there's something like 20 of them in there. Holy shit. I, I haven't counted. Uh, but I, I bought it because the last episode that uh, Courtney, Alter Mentality, was on, we were discussing Donkey Kong Adventure, which uh, really leans heavily in the early worlds into the shark motif, shark baddies. And so I was like, well, this is appropriate because I had a watermelon cider the week before to celebrate Grand Kirko because, you know, Donkey Kong 64, watermelons. And, and um, the thing is, uh, sharks are also in Sea of Thieves, so I'm just going to try to find a way to tie sharks into every episode while I whittle down this case. That won't be hard to do. That yeah. won't be hard to do. Um, it's you know I, I said holy shit when you said a 20 case, and the only reason I say that is is normally if I'm drinking a beer that I like, 20 case is not a lot. Like my roommate and I in college used to split a 30 rack of beer when the two of us were playing Mario Kart, 15 beers each, 
and then we'd go to sleep. But um, 20 beers is a lot if you don't like the beer. Well, I just that's said a, I, a huge case. I I only drink Landshark Lager while I'm recording the conversation since last week. Yeah, yeah, trying that's true. It, trying to turn it around, Jeff, and my personal opinions about this fine beverage are, are kind of immaterial because I always drink it when I record the conversation. Yeah, Stockholm syndrome is something you can give to yourself. True. Um, <laughs> And it's funny you mentioned Grant Kirkhope because um, I literally had a dream about Grant Kirkhope last night, which doesn't make any sense. And and in the dream, he didn't look like his real self. He looked like a kid I went to high school with named Greg. <laughs> and I and I don't remember what happened in it. I just remember he was there and he was Grant Kirkhope and we had to like get him away from public because – there were like paparazzi or something. So, I don't know. So it, it was it, weird. It, it was like the beginning of a hard day's night or the night Princess yeah. Diana died. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was more of the Diana thing. It <laughs> yeah. was, it was a lot like trying to drive a Mario Kart 15 beers deep. But uh, anyway, what are we here for? I don't even remember uh, this, this lager. I drank it fast and I drank it hard which I, I assume is the way Jimmy Buffett wants you to drink it. I think we're here to talk about Sea of Thieves, if the mm. key art in our live stream is anything to go off of. So, yeah, well, yeah, I guess we should do that. As you already said, Sea of Thieves Season 6 launched March 10th. To put that in perspective, we discussed Season 5 near the beginning of this conversation season, and uh, the key art for that one featured my pirate, in his holiday season clothing, because that season tied into the winter holidays. And this season ostensibly was supposed to tie into the coming of spring. Uh, All the seasonal rewards you got for, you know, ticking away, getting to level 100 were heavily based on the spring season, you know, blossoming flowers and the forest coming to life. And um, it's almost August now. It will be August when this episode goes live for everyone. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's true. And and I remembered actually what the dream was about with the Grant Kirk. This is so irrelevant. But I remembered it and I have to say it now. In the dream, Grant Kirkhope had... Uh, I don't know why I dreamed of this because I don't even know that guy. But... Um, <laughs> In the dream, he we found out me and some other people from DK Vine. I think Cameron was there, and and uh, I think Joey was there. Um, anyway, uh, Karate Joey. Um, right. And we found out that Grant Kirkhope had written the score for a movie, and it had already come out. And we were like, "That's crazy! How would we not know this? Like, we're fans, so we should have known this." And we looked it up, and it turned out that he did the music for a Harry Potter movie. And then we all were like felt awkward because we felt like we couldn't celebrate it because we don't want to celebrate Harry Potter. And then, but we were like, but we listened to it and it was really good. And we're like, damn, Grant Kirkhope does good movie music, not just video game music. And then we all had to escape because a bunch of angry people were chasing us. I don't remember, but what well, actually yeah. Jeff Grant Kirkhope has done the score to a relatively recent movie. I think he did it several years ago and Wait, then, really? Yeah, the movie sat on the shelf for years, and it was eventually released, I think, last year. It, it came out uh, on streaming 
physical media earlier this was year. It, was it Harry Potter? No, it's called The King's Daughter. And here is the uh, little twist for Rare fans. It stars one Pierce Brosnan. So this is is this a joke? Or is this real happening? This is a real. This is a real thing. This is a real thing. Oh Grant, shit! All Grant right, Kirkhope. It, it's something about a mermaid, I think. Oh, um, and, and and that's played by Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan does not play the mermaid. I think oh. he is the titular king. For which the mm. daughter may be a mermaid, but I don't think Pierce Brosnan is a merman. Anyway, yeah, Pierce Brosnan is uh, is in a movie that was partially scored by Grant Kirkhope, who also did the music for GoldenEye 007 on the N64. So, it's a real thing. Look it up. In my dream, the music in the Harry Potter movie was very Danny Elfman, and I, it didn't even sound really like Kirkhope. Although, you can hear the Danny Elfman influence when you listen to Kirkhope. Um, so, so Sea of Thieves season six. Uh, <laughs> well, the, you know, mer- mermaids, you know. It's, it, oh, mermaids. Yeah. It's in Sea of Thieves. Yeah. 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 Pierce Brosnan is made by Rare and Rare made Sea of Thieves. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Rare created uh, the concept oh, oh. of Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> yeah, it's, all, it's all connected. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Sea of Thieves season six came all the way back in March. And and if you want to go back and listen to our season five recap, that was episode 1003 or 1003, 1003, yeah. There's not a thousand episodes of a Donkey Kong podcast, but no, there's uh, only yeah. over 400. It's only not 400. ridiculous. <laughs> don't, don't have a little panic attack. All right. You can catch up. There's time. Uh, most of the seasons in Sea of Thieves so far, when I say most, we have a sample size of six. <laughs> but um, but every season, there's generally you have all, all the content comes out at the start. And then uh, the season goes for about three months. And there's not really new stuff going on throughout other than more cosmetics to buy and maybe some promotional events and Twitch drops and, and little moments and stuff. But season six was spread out. They had their content coming in uh not all at the start but just spread throughout the season partially because the main content of the season was the f- new phantom sea forts and also a new pirate legend voyage but the pirate legend voyage did not come out at the start it came out later it came out in the middle of the season and then on top of that um they have moved to this new system of storytelling which is the adventures and the adventures are a monthly story and a monthly kind of uh, gameplay event you can take part in. They happen every month. And um, the first one happened at the tail end of season five. And we covered that. Um, but this is the first season to make that a consistent, you know, thing. Every month there's an adventure. And then on top of that, you have something they've got called mysteries. And the mysteries are another form of storytelling going on kind of on the side of everything uh, in, in parallel with the story. And uh, And we're going to talk about all of this stuff. Like so much happened uh, throughout this past four, eight, what, what is this? A year, four months, four, 12, four whatever, and a half months, long, yeah. long time. Um, yeah. We're not going to talk about every little detail that we might usually talk about just because there's so much to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen anything spread out this much since I got a link to Goatsy. Honestly, this, this is, this is <laughs> like, 
Uh, I I remember being 12 years old, uh, a brand new member of (laughs) DKVine.com and and being linked Goatsy for the first time in my DMs on DKVine. For the record, record, that wasn't the administration linking our our child members. Pictures. Hey, every new member, <laughs> welcome to DK Vine. Please click this link to verify. We um, we can't be held accountable for every private DM that happens on our forum. If we are made aware of it, we will police it. But <laughs> I didn't I didn't know what Goatsy was at the time. So I went to school and I told my friends and I said, "Yeah, some guy online linked me a picture of a goat's. I thought it was Goatsy meant goat. So I was like, uh-huh. "It's a goat's vagina," and they were like. <laughs> That's not a good. I was literally twelve years old. Anyway, that was um, that was at least five years ago. Yeah, I just want to for for the record, DK, DK Vines Forum is a lovely and safe place for all ages. Yeah, no, that won't happen to you. That was that, okay. Like jokes aside, that was two thousand seven. We like to joke that I'm secretly a child, but yeah. I'm not. That was a long time. That would ago. be breaking several laws if you were. Especially since you're three margaritas deep. I'm two margaritas deep, and then I wow. run out. I have no more margaritas. So I'm drinking Labatt Blue because, um, you know, here in Michigan, we do we have a lot of the Canadian imports. Yeah. So we drink a lot of Canadian beer. Here, and, here, and, here, here in Virginia, <laughs> we just get what washes up into Chesapeake Bay, and it's Jimmy Buffett's lager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of domestic beers tastes like washed up Chesapeake water. But <laughs> but anyway, so the so right out the gate in season six, the main new thing, the, the Phantom Sea Forts. Yeah. Technically the official name for these is just Sea Forts. That's which I think sucks. It sucks. It sucks. Yeah. It sucks. Uh, it does not descriptive enough because we already have skeleton forts. Yeah. So when you just say sea forts, it's not descriptive enough for me to know what you're talking about. Here, here's the thing. Rare has some crackerjack writers working for them. And uh but they can't do everything. And sometimes things slip through the cracks, like giving or some, g- yeah, giving something poor nomenclature, just just absolute poor <laughs> nomenclature. So then the fans have to rally and say, "Well, we're going to respect what you're calling it, but we're going to add a little bit of zest to it." So instead of sea forts, we're calling them phantom sea forts. <laughs> the official name should have been phantom forts because yes. of alliteration. Yes. And descriptiveness. Yes. Uh, but that's not the point. Of, the name isn't the point. The point is that the forts are here. And the forts are, there are six of them. They've got them into three different regions, two of them in each. That's two times three, six, because there's six of them. And basically, after the, story-wise, the, the story explanation is that after the events of the first adventure, which happened back in season five and was titled The Shrouded Islands, um, the veil between the worlds, between the, the the Sea of Thieves and the Sea of the Damned. Right. Thanks where for clarifying the dead... what the worlds are. This isn't like Earth and Venus. Right. Um, or, or another example. Um, no, it's it's these worlds. It's Sea of Thieves <laughs> and the Sea of the Damned. The land of the living and the land of the dead. There's a veil that separates us and it's um, supposed to be airtight, but we've seen that it's not. There is some crossover there's some weakness there and and when the shrouded islands event took place the veil was weakened enough for captain flameheart the big old bad guy to bring in these forts that are they're in the world of the dead they're they're memories of forts past Mm -hmm. uh spanish military forts 
Yes. And he's brought them into the actual living world as phantom memories that are physically manifested. And these are essentially, in the gameplay sense, they're just like on-demand for raid-like experiences you can go and experience anytime. They're supposed to be a little easier and faster than normal forts, like skeleton forts. Um, But you fight phantoms instead of skeletons, and you get less treasure, but you do it quickly. Um, sim- but sim- the real sim- what's well, similar yeah, to the uh, what they added with the uh, ocean crawlers and the siren and treasuries, siren yeah. treasuries, yeah, and the sirens where they added these underwater treasuries where they're on demand. You swim down to them, and then you right, you prove- don't you don't have to wait for them to become yeah. active, like a special event that is randomly. You know, you don't have to wait for the cloud in the sky. You could just go and do this as a if you want to do that type of gameplay of a battle of a PVE player to phantom or player to siren, player to ocean crawler type battle. Yeah. Um, and what really makes the forts interesting, the sea forts, the phantom sea forts. Right. Phantom forts with a PH. Um is the f- the fort area itself is just such a cool physical space to explore and run around in because it is a lived in it's 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 a kind of physical lived in space that doesn't really exist in Sea of Thieves outside of the Sea of the Damned because everywhere in Sea of Thieves in the outposts anywhere that's like civilized and is it's like built from makeshift wreckage and it's not you know stone structures you know what i mean yeah well and that's an important distinction because up until now outside of some of the tall tales added with a pirate's life that take place in the sea of the damned we have not had any structures in the sea of thieves with stonework it's all been wood and soil and just just that and and so now we have these environments in sea of thieves that look remarkably different than what we've had before and that the novelty of that alone makes it just fun to scamper about like like a silly lad but they've also gone and just tried to make them a fun place because one of the cool gimmicks of these that make them different than really anywhere else in the world in the world of sea of thieves I, i should say is uh how interactable everything in the fort is. You've got drawers, you've got chests, you've got cabinets, all of which you can interact with. Open the drawers, open the cabinets, rifle through everything um, to discover hidden little treasures. Uh, There are pulleys to, you know, pull a pulley to lift up an iron gate or pull a pulley to move a wooden platform around. Uh, There's tables to sit in, chairs to sit uh, sit in, um, and beds to sleep in and grog barrels to refill your grog, and there's cooking stoves to cook a bunch of fish all at once, maps to interact with, and and cannons to defend the fort from other players, and all of this stuff. And it's just like, this actually feels like a thought-out space that a garrison of soldiers would live in full-time and defend with the beds and the eating hall and the, the prison cell and all the parts that a fort would have. Um, but it's all interactive. You can, you don't, it's not just like, okay, you can walk through an environment that you can't touch, which most of Sea of Thieves, it kind of feels like that. In this, it's like, no, okay, open that drawer, open that cabinet, see if there's anything in there, rifle through the shelves. 
it's it's de- yeah, it's definitely more interactable than we're used to in Sea of Thieves. Just you know, going off of the base game as it existed from March two thousand eighteen onward, like the, the, you you can just mess with knobs and you know open doors and just have a lot of silly little fun. And like you said, it is completely realized. It's thought out. I was you know I've been replaying Banjo Kazooie for my Twitch stream, DK Vine Done Slow. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about the Rusty Bucket Bay world is how thought out everything was. Like, every little thing is accounted for on this ship, and you can just visit where, you know, the the bunks are, where the kitchen is. And it's kind of like that same thing put into practice here in Sea of Thieves with these phantom sea forts. And even though, like, these don't actually, like, exist. I mean, they existed at one point. Like you said, they are the memories of phantoms. Or they're memories from the Sea of the Damned made real in the Sea of Thieves by uh, the weakening of the veil. So, I mean, I guess they're real from a certain point of view. But, um, no, it's just just nice to have that kind of realism there yeah and and to have your pirate crew interact with it and you can play house and like you said you can defend it from other crews like no we're gonna live here once you once you clear it out from the ghost you can be like no i'm 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 gonna just set up shop here and uh, if anybody else tries to come along we're gonna shoot them with these cannons so you you gotta spend an entire session in sea of thieves just you know being being frivolous and sleeping in the beds and i love that you use the phrase I love that you use the phrase playhouse yeah. because you literally it, it, it sounds dumb, but that's what you can do here. And people want to do it. You can play house. You can pretend like, okay, our crew owns this fort and we can hang out here and we can, you know, this is where we cook all the fish and this is where uh, we sit down and have a grog at the table and, and you can hang out and you can run around. And, and also I think one time during that season, or during early, early in season six, we had like a, just a, um, a, a makeshift battle between a couple of crews. Uh, I think that we had set up kind of a private server, we went to yeah. a C4 and we're just like, all right, we're gonna, um, somebody's going to hide a treasure or a key or something on the fort and they have to get it from the top and bring it down to the treasury in the bottom. And it's like four versus four, kind of a search and destroy type game mode. And that just highlighted that the space itself, the physical space of the fort and the the makeup of the geometry is a fun arena to battle in. Whether it's us versus players that were, you know, set up to do, or whether it was us versus the phantoms, like just clearing the fort itself. It's a fun little arena to battle in. It's not the arena because they removed that this season, but... (laughs) Uh, yeah, if you can, like, get your own thing going, and, you know, it it is, it kind of reminds me of, like, a Mario Kart block fort. You can just, like, make your own fun for hours in there. Yeah, and and you mentioned that they did remove the arena officially this season. Yeah. Um, And so, uh, we're not going to talk about that, because we talked about it at length back in Season 5, in in our Season 5 recap episode, episode one. Uh, episode 1003. 1003, yeah. 1003. 
I think it'll so come if you up, want to listen to our thoughts, you can find it there. I think it'll come up a little bit when we talk about the mystery. Yes, that, that's been. Ongoing. We will get to that, but yes, in the in the, um, but yeah. So so we're not we're not too concerned about the arena that we've. I feel like we've talked everything we need to say already. But yeah, I I love the forts, and then then shortly after the season launched, uh, we got into the second adventure. Mm-hmm. The first adventure happened in season five. We talked about that in that episode. Um, but then uh, the second adventure, the forts of the forgotten, it was really, it feels like the whole point of this adventure was just to highlight these phantom sea forts. And it was, and it's good because quite honestly, after this adventure, I don't know if I've done many of the sea forts aside from, I think like one time I rode there in a rowboat while my, crew was doing something else and i just like attempted to solo a c4 but yeah after this adventure uh the uh, my engagement with the c4 it's kind of tapered off this season in fact there might be something good to do with golden glory weekend which uh, as of this recording has yet to happen but it's scheduled to happen this coming weekend i don't know but yeah i mean this is clearly a naked attempt to get players to engage with this major new component in Sea of Thieves, but I welcome it because one of the things I hate is when there is something new and sexy in the game and I really want to have fun with it, but then this time-limited thing crops up and I have to focus on that and and I feel like I'm I'm being uh, held from my true love. Like, I, I want to get over there. So the fact that they just embraced it and built in a story component for forcing play... Not forcing them, but really encouraging players to play the phantom sea forts. Uh, I thought, I thought it was handled nicely. I, I really, Honestly, I, I think everything in the game should operate that way. Yeah. Uh, I think that before adventures existed, a lot of times there, they would come out with new gameplay, but they're always in, as far as sea of thieves goes, there always has been a story explanation. If we're adding in a new event or a new gameplay, that you can engage with. There's a reason in the story why that is happening, why that now exists. And they've been very good about that. It actually makes our job easier as fans. Cause we don't have to like explain everything. Cause the game explicitly explains quite a lot of what's going on. Uh, but I think the adventures are a good opportunity to do that and say, look, the forts are here. Here is a actual story event that is like taking place in the forts and kind of explains their significance or why they now exist or what they're being used for. Um, other than just being a abstract, like, Oh, you can go there to fight phantoms to earn treasure. Um, yeah. so forts of the forgotten, the during shrouded islands that, that happened in season five, uh, these shrouds of spectral fog took over some of the islands in the in the world, and most notably, it destroyed uh, Golden Sands Outpost, the yeah. outpost there in the shores of Plenty that uh, my blog is named after. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they they wrecked it up. They really wrecked it up, and then all of the NPCs that used to live there went missing. They're yeah. just up and gone. This adventure explained where they went because. They are now being held prisoner in the sea forts. This yeah. is the Phantom Sea Forts. Yeah, you know, I I, I thought this was clever because he, here's here's the thing, Jeff. When Sea of Thieves first launched, a lot of long time gray whiskered rare fans 
in our community, I, I heard this similar complaint a couple times. I, this might not have been universal, but I heard it enough where it's an antidote. It's officially an antidote. Is, is, was that the NPCs in the game, meaning these shopkeeps and, and tavern owners or, or tavern barmaids or whatever that you would bar find keeps. yeah bar keeps excuse me at the outpost um they they didn't have enough wacky personality for for people's taste they seemed to one note it's not necessarily true but i get what they were saying so any opportunity to flesh out the the original denizens of the game uh i applaud it's like how they turned the the blacksmith, the the weaponsmith of Golden Sands Outpost, Wanda, into a major reoccurring antagonist in the game, and then introduced her twin sister, sis, twin sister, Wanda, with an O instead of an A. Um, so, so yeah, whenever they can shine a spotlight and allow more of the personality of these OGs to creep out. I, I appreciate it, and it definitely makes you feel like you're more invested in this world when you've got to do something like rescue these long-standing stationary characters. Um, I, I really enjoyed how the cursed sails where everybody on the outpost were freaking out over yeah. these skelly armadas that were rising up. And, you, and and that was actually July of 2018 when yeah. the curse sales took place. So yeah, so, so yeah, we're we're four years deep into this stuff. Yeah, um, so, so so yeah, that that kind of brought to mind, or this kind of brought to mind that where, in a, in a much more isolated sense, you have to help out the traumatized members of the Golden Sands community. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of a, a theme with adventures. I think that adventures, which are these monthly events that are progressing the story while being a gameplay thing to engage with, the the kind of point is how can they make the world less static? The, yeah. char- the characters and the NPCs are less static. The world itself is less static. And this story is going on every month and people are reacting to it and it's having an impact. And that's something that Sea of Thieves has had in burst moments, but not as a regular, like, episodic thing. And that's what adventures do. Yeah. So in this adventure, we've we've got to go to the Phantom Sea Forts to rescue these NPCs. And, and, and it just works the same as a regular Phantom Sea Fort. You go to the fort, you clear it out, defeat everything there, except now there are these Phantom Jailers that are kind of in charge of the jail cells, and they drop the keys... And you clear it out, you get the key, and you can open up that prison cell, which has three of the NPCs in there that live at Golden Sands, or used to. And um, you can talk to them. They always have Wanda with the O, because the story significance is that Flameheart was really specifically targeting Golden Sands because of Wanda with an A. (laughs) Wanda, the warsmith that was his second-in-command, the Harley Quinn to his Joker... Uh, as we saw in last year's uh, A Pirate's Life arc of, of Story Tall Tales, she has left Flameheart uh, because he clearly, you know, because he doesn't value her. He's the bad guy and, and she loves him, but he's just like using her. Whatever. Uh, 
she she leaves Flameheart to join the Dark Brethren, and now Flameheart is like kind of has a grudge against this outpost, but he also wants to literally he just goes to try and court her sister to become his new second in command, which I just think is funny because it's mean, just like he's got Flameheart. a type, you know, like. He- <laughs> He says, hey, you know, you don't want to be my warsmith? Well, your sister could do it. It's all the same. Whatever. Yeah. Um, who, Of course, she says no. But, uh, yeah, the the issue that I had with this event, it's not, like, that bad of a thing, but um, it was there was an RNG factor, a, a randomness that, uh, because there was a deed, one of the deeds you had to complete, which is, like, the checklist of things, you have to do during the event to get like the last reward. And that is, uh, you had to talk to every possible NPC from golden sands outpost. Uh, but the ones that you would discover in these cells were randomly generated, except for Wanda with the O. Mm. And so you might go and do four forts, I think, and be able to see everybody. Or if you got bad RNG, it might take six or seven or eight or 10 if you got really bad RNG. And so I don't like that you, there's not a predictive, like there's not a predictable length of time it takes to complete an event. I don't, I don't like that RNG element, but aside from that, um, it was fine. It was an okay event. It was just telling you, go do the forts. And we already had been doing these forts since for the two weeks or whatever yeah, that the I, I think the, I think the novelty of the forts was still fresh enough that it, you didn't really mind having to continually replay and, and go to different forts, and then you could just run down to the jail cell and see who was in it, and if it wasn't one of the uh, Golden Sands inhabitants that you needed, you could have just fled and gone somewhere else. That's uh, true. Sea of Thieves RNG, uh, it's Ruth Bader Ginsburg, has been bad at times. <laughs> it, it, Ralph Ralph Nader Ralph Nader Ginsburg. <laughs> right. It's 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 been irritating quite a few different time limited events. Back in the days, you know, before adventures kind of consolidated the concepts. But uh yeah, th- this this wasn't the worst. Um, but I also had better luck than most. I think it only took us five or six times um to, to get them yeah all. it wasn't it wasn't bad uh i i just think conceptually i don't like it no it could have been it could have gone badly for us and it didn't um i will also say this you said the novelty of the forts themselves i think it it, it bears mentioning that every fort in the game we said there's six of them there are there's differences between each one that are cosmetic and those cosmetic differences do make a big difference because when you're in the wilds, it's very dreary. There's a lot of wooden spikes and skeletons and cages and things that are, you know, that you'd expect yeah. in the wilds. And when you're in the ancient isles, it's very overgrown with vines and plants, and it's like nature reclaiming these things. And I and I like those visual differences, uh, but uh, in terms of the geometry of the layout of the forts, like as a piece of architecture as a physical layout they're all identical yeah and um that is fine but it feels a little bit like a missed opportunity to me because of how like i said before they're a fun environment to have a battle in to to run around shooting things and fighting things and slashing things with the swords and and like oh gotta hide around the corner and then pop out and swipe the sword or whatever you do but 
the fact that every one of them is the same in the layout, it's just a little disappointing because all of the skeleton forts in the game are unique layouts. And playing on one versus another, your tactics kind of change a little bit. You think, okay, well, this one has the pond here where I should bring the gold skeletons, but this one, the, the kind of pond isn't easy to get to or like, or whatever. Like there's all these different little tactics that evolve because there's like nine different skeleton forts. Uh, but there are six phantom sea forts and they're all identical. And the tactics are identical in my opinion. So that's just a little thing I wanted to point out. It's not a big deal, uh, but it just feels a little like a missed opportunity. It's like if you're playing Goldeneye, um, the you know, and you're listening to to uh, Grant Kirkhope's music, and you got Pierce Brassman in there, and every level is the same layout but a different visual texture. That would not be fun. That would not be good. I wouldn't want that. Yeah. I want more than I want more than that. But it's just like in in the in the scheme of Sea of Thieves, it's a nitpick. Because there's so much else. Um, it, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's a valid nitpick, I would say. At least they could, you know, put new carpeting in there. I don't know. like Or, like, I don't know, make, make one of them slippy. And you just, like, there's a lot of water puddles. And you go, woo, wee. Uh, I don't know. But, you know, it's... <laughs> They, they they are so intricately detailed that I guess I'm cutting them a little bit of slack because it's like, well, yeah, it like it would have been nice if they could have like rearranged everything. And but it, you know, it they're, they're fun. I, I think, yeah, they will wear out their welcome faster than other things in the game. But I guess I, I haven't done them in a spell, so I'm kind of hankering to get back to to the concept of them so i haven't burned myself out on the concept which i think is is the key towards my relationship with sea of thieves because these people who play it every day and they complain about everything um, i play it once a week and uh i i keep it varied and because of that i'm i i'm still interested in the game you know more than four years on right so, so that event, that that adventure, the Forts of the Forgotten, you know, we had the lore of of Flameheart was trying to go after Wanda with the O, and she tells us that he also has captured an ancient. An ancient is the civilization that came, that kind of existed in the Sea of Thieves in a long distance past, um, that have built all these old ruins. You know, all these old ruins that we see, yeah. and the cave paintings we see, and they kind of are the ones responsible for maybe some of the magic, some of the curses and artifacts that we discover. Um, and that kind of sets up where the story is going to go next. Flameheart has found an ancient, uh, pr- presumably we're talking about the ghost of an ancient, like in, in the, in the sea of the damned. Um, and, and that tells bell um, kind of, what Flameheart's intentions are, because she picks up on that right away. It's like, oh, this must be what Flameheart's after. So um, that kind of leads into where the story goes next. Yeah, and uh, that was Shrouded Deep from right. uh, uh, April 21st to May 12th. And and Shrouded Deep, I, I, intentional naming there to call back, hearken back to the first major Sea of Thieves event uh, before the adventures. We we had these time-limited events, and that was, of course, the Hungering Deep, 
Hungering Deep was yeah, the, if, I, the- if I remember off the top of my head, if if this is right, I'm going to be impressed with myself. <laughs> I think that I think the Hungering Deep launched on May 20th. Sounds, of, sounds about right. Of 2018. I could be wrong, but it was definitely in May. And that was the first Sea of Thieves event after was, the game launched. It was like two weeks before E3 or something. And uh, I just remember how irritating it was to find the time to do an eight-hour stream. <laughs> when oh, yeah, I was- you guys, I wasn't even on that stream. You guys always talk about it took you an eight-hour stream. Yeah. And I look back on that event and I'm like, guys, how? Eight hours? Jesus we ran into some problems, but it was, it was still a very memorable event. I actually have a lot of fondness and nostalgia for it. Um, flaws and all, I, I, I really enjoyed Hungering Deep as I enjoyed Curse Sales, even though I have more problems with that. Uh, just, just those, those original time limited events felt like a huge deal in a way that we'll probably never recapture again. Um, holy, I, I enjoy that, like the tall tales you can replay. And I feel like these adventures are a little bit more digestible in, in their size and scope. And it allows it a narrative to propel in a much faster, more organic rate than, than the way they had things structured back in 2018. But, you know, nostalgia is, is what it is. It kind of cast everything in a golden light. And uh, Shrouded Deep, uh, very obvious uh, spiritual successor to Hungarian Deep. Well, why, why, don't, why don't you describe it before I just launch into my feelings right. on this one? Yeah, so story-wise, Bell learned that Flameheart was seeking an artifact that was called the Veil of the Ancients, which is a mask that, uh, with its magical powers, allows one to travel freely uh, across the veil that between the sea of the thieves, the sea of thieves, and sea. the sea of the damned, sea of the thieves, sea of the thieves, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so she knows that 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 veil, the ve- uh, veil of the ancients, the mask, was swallowed up long ago by the shrouded ghost megalodon, which is a species of megalodon that's incredibly rare, and nobody who plays this game has seen it unless you're really dedicated in like a great sea of thieves player. Um, like you and I are. I was we, say, unless you just got lucky. This. Unless you just got lucky like we did. In, well, in February of 2021, uh, back in season one, back in season one of Sea of Thieves. Uh, but the Shroud of Ghost Megalodon has eaten the Veil of the Ancients long ago. And she knows this and she goes to Merrick because Merrick, the shark hunter, the, the NPC responsible for the Hungering Deep event, way back in the day, he, he was the first new NPC to the game, the first kind of event caretaker who brought story into the game. Uh, he, he's a shark hunter. He, he's you know he's missing most of his limbs, but uh, he he knows about sharks. So she goes to him, and they hatch a plan to kind of you know go after the beast. And what that amounts to, gameplay wise, is that they know a ritual that can be done to summon the Shrouded Ghost. And we, as players, are going to help them do it. But to do it, it's a lot more involved than the Hungering Deep was. Because you don't just go to a place and and summon the Megalodon. You need to power up the ritual by collecting the souls of all the other kinds of Megalodons, which are the four other colors besides the white Shrouded Ghost. And so we go 
two Bell, Bell and Merrick crashed their ship, the the killer whale, which is Merrick's original ship. They crashed it somewhere in the center of the map. We go there, we talk to them. They're trying to set up this ritual, and they send us out to go and and uh, kind of attract these megalodons, capture their spirits. And you've got to go and kill four megalodons. The Hungering One, the Crested Queen, the Ancient Terror, and the Shadow Maw. Um, and you bring them all back one at a time to the ship, to the killer whale ship. Um, and once that's complete, now you can summon the Shrouded Ghost, which is similar to the Hungering Deep. You're going to summon a much more like involved boss encounter of a big Megalodon fight. But to do so, it requires multiple crews to come together because you need to play a shanty on an instrument uh, in, with five players minimum and the maximum size of a crew in Sea of Thieves is four. So yeah. you need multiple crews. That was the gimmick of Hungering Deep back in the day. Bring crews together to cooperate on on doing a thing. That's the same gimmick now. We got to work together to do this. And then we can fight the Shrouded Ghost. So we summon the Shrouded Ghost. A battle ensues. Not only do we have to defeat it, but Captain Flameheart throughout the battle starts to intervene and send in ghost ships. So the phantom spectral uh, ships of Pirate's Path start to attack us. And even in the climax, uh, Arthur Pendragon, the, the, the ghost hero of Sea of Thieves, uh, arrives to kind of come to our aid and and defeat Flameheart's forces. And we finally kill the Shrouded Ghost and recover the Veil of the Ancients. And then the final kind of stinger is that the Veil of the Ancients is powered by magical stones and the stones are missing. Where have we heard that before? That's, yeah. that's such a trope now. And... Um, that's kind of the end of the story at that point. Yeah. Um, f- okay. Before before I, I launch into opinions on this, uh, I, I want to point out that Pendragon appeared in this. Still a ghost. E- even though the ending of A Pirate's Life kind of set up the possibility that he was going to reincarnate corporally I- into, into a fleshy body. And so my question, well, when he appeared as a ghost, was is is it like holding in a fart? Is he is he is he still <laughs> being a ghosty boy uh, to to like get things done? Because you can get things done when you're a ghost. You know, you you you're not you don't have limits uh, like you would in the land of the living. Is is he purposely holding off his like regeneration, like David Tennant style? Or or yeah. wait, wait, what what's going on there? They didn't properly explain that to my liking, and I and I realize like it's it's kind of a gray area. But I'm like wondering if they're already regretting the, that narrative choice, and they're trying to like walk it back, or at least make maybe ignore what they set up there. Yeah, should we discuss this all the way back when that happened? Right in yeah. in the 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 pirate's life campaign and it, uh, obviously in the moment that it happened at the end of the fifth tall tale there the lords of the sea um the reason for it was the ferryman is going to grant them all life again but wild rose and george are going to stay on the black pearl 
to travel with Jack Sparrow's crew and join his crew. Yeah. So they become corporeal because they're going to leave with him, but they couldn't make Pendragon and uh, Captain Slate of the Morning Star. They couldn't make them corporeal because they didn't want to stay with Jack Sparrow. They were going to stay in Sea of Thieves, but there was no good narrative way for them to hop off the ship in that moment. Like they can't just tell. So, so essentially keeping them ghosts, at least temporarily made sense because it had, they have the ability to teleport. You're right. Whereas if they didn't have the ability to teleport, it would be kind of an awkward moment of, of like, well, where did they go? If they didn't stay on the ship, where, where did they go? But yeah, that was where you brought up the, the metaphor that they're holding in the fart and the fart is going to come. and now we have this moment where pendragon's here and he's still a ghost um and i tell you is that sometimes the fart doesn't come you know what i mean (laughs) i i hope it like i don't know i don't know yeah i i hope it pays off narratively because these are like details that Rare usually doesn't overlook, or at least they they leave enough breadcrumbs where the fans can wank it hard enough where it doesn't become an issue. And uh, like I, I know, like people at Rare working with Rare are invested in making sure the lore is consistent. So I don't know. Like I I just I just hope it's paid off, and I would be fine even if like he he finally like becomes living again at the worst possible moment and he's just immediately stabbed or something, you know, just, just have fun with it. But I don't know. It's at the moment. It seems like he's made the choice not to, uh, to take that reward. Um, but it's something that's happened off screen, which is not very satisfying. Uh, on the other hand, maybe he did get turned into human and then off screen (laughs) got killed again. And now he's still a ghost. I don't know. it, It is what it is. But I think that, for the story they want to tell, it, honestly, to me, it makes sense for Pendragon to stay a ghost. Yeah. And maybe they should not have even teased the idea that he's going to be granted to become human again. Because I think that mechanically, it helps them in a lot of ways to give him the power to teleport like a ghost does and to appear in the Sea of the Damned where I think a lot of the story is building to some of the conflicts going to take place there. Uh, you know, it is what it is. But anyway, let's let's set that aside. Yeah. Let's talk about actually doing this event and fighting all these Megalodons, but also having to wrangle in another crew to cooperate with us and then and do this um, multi-crew required moment that they have not done something like this in a long time but it was like something that early you know with the hungering deep that was a big part of that was that it was multi-crew that it was working with together with the community or with other players yeah i i think there's just been minor instances of needing cooperation with other crews where like that time we kidnapped a child to get forced oh, to, yeah. to give presents or something. yeah yeah <laughs> you know you know <laughs> that old holiday standard but yeah, there hasn't been something to the scale, I think, of hungering. And I might be wrong. I might be misremembering here, but I, I can't think I of mean, any. I mean, first sales. But, first sales, But it's that, yeah. first year, that first year. Yeah. They, they kind of definitely got away with that, especially when I think more of the focus did shift towards like, oh, here come the Reapers. And, you know, a lot, lot more PvP uh, 
influenced stuff has been creeping in. So it was nice to have that back. I'm I'm not going to sit here and say that wasn't uh, a treat to have to find another crew. And then you have that nervous flop sweat of are, are they going to cooperate with us? And you can usually find somebody on a server uh, with enough legwork. But, um, you know, me streaming these because, you know, I, I stream most of what I do in Sea of Thieves on our weekly Sunday stream, Stream of Thieves. And my biggest concern is, you know, we're encountering complete strangers in the wild. And are they going to say something racist on my stream? Are, are they going to be just complete shitheads? And because, you know, you don't know, you're, you're going outside your bubble and the world is full of shitheads, especially it feels like right now. So luckily we didn't have that encounter, you know, uh, luckily uh, the the crew was was nice. I, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't I don't really remember them, but they certainly nothing negative stuck in my mind. So, <laughs> yeah, honestly, um it's I, I understand that a lot of people absolutely hate this. Uh, they they don't want to be forced to interact with another crew in 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 any way, let alone a specifically like positive way that requires them to cooperate. And you don't know if they're gonna, and um, it puts you out of your comfort zone as in like a social sense. Um, the game is a social game, yeah, but you don't have to play it socially, and a lot of people don't want to that's and there's nothing wrong with that you know what i mean like anti-socialness it's not a negative thing it's just what a lot of people have to deal with like thankfully i have a galleon crew and i have like a rotating like crew of regular people i i can you know switch people in and out depending on people's availability but i i have safety in numbers when i play so it's not me just being a little will sloop uh, trying to make friends with these big scary crews, uh, I could I could totally see people having a problem with that though, um, especially right. if they don't and have that if they don't have that bedrock of this is the group of people I play with. Then yeah, it's very intimidating and imposing. You run into another crew in an online multiplayer game, and the online multiplayer scene historically on Xbox or other services is not a welcoming place it's a it's an obscene place <laughs> and 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 uh it can be a difficult place to to handle but you try to talk to another crew and then they call you the n-word and you say well i i didn't like that <laughs> so um <laughs> you have that experience but the thing is you could mute everybody you can mute everybody and not let them trash talk you but then your ability to be able to socially connect with them if you can't talk over voice is diminished. So it's like, how do I communicate to them? I want to go do this event together, but I have you muted. So I don't potentially get called uh, a slur of, of any variety. So I get it. It's not for everybody. I think that in Sea of Thieves, um, those type of things have the greatest potential to backfire and, and give you horribly negative experiences but they also have the greatest potential to give you the most memorable time that you've had in that game for sure like by far just like memorable moments those happen when you encounter another crew in something surprising and joyful and uh, completely unpredictable happens 
uh, because of another crew. I, I love that, but I think that you need it with like a certain level of, um, uh, res- like not, it, you don't want to overdo it in, in the first year. They did it a little too much. It was, excuse me. Sorry for, I burped right in the mic. That's um, disgusting. I know it. Yeah, this is why yeah, I don't like but, social interactions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's worse than a slur. It's, it's, I did it again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in the first year, you have the hungering deep and then you have like skeleton thrones and it's like, okay, well you got to sit on the chair, but you don't get credit for sitting on the chair unless another crew sits on the chair. And that it's was, just like, that okay, weird. That, guys, that, that one was a weird one. Wasn't it guys? Like, come on. And it occurs sales. It's like, you got to fight the skeletons, but, but you don't get credit unless you do it in an alliance. It's like, all right, it, they did it a little too often, yeah. but I think, that if they find the right balance in terms of how often they're doing it and the moment when they do it, the stakes are high and it's broadcast and everyone knows what's going on. I think that in that little, you know, um, taste of, of it's like, it's been a while since I've had to put myself out of my comfort zone. Um, it's, it's going to be refreshing when they do it, if they don't overdo it, which I think shrouded deep felt that way. It was so refreshing we haven't done this in a while and yes, I'm out of my comfort zone. Uh, but I think that generally, if you give people a chance, you are, it's the only way you're going to have a positive experience. Right. Uh, Whereas if you never give anyone a chance, then you're just not going to have an experience. Yeah. And and like I've, said one of the most memorable things about hungering deep for me was just the sheer absurdity of riding on another crew sloop trying to go back and get the song that's needed to summon the megalodon and sail it across the ocean just me banging on my drum like a chimpanzee uh (laughs) banging on my bongos (laughs) where you know on, on this complete stranger's sloop right but but just being put into that awkward situation so outside my comfort zone with how i play sea of thieves but we pulled it off we did it It, it's memorable it's it's a victorious moment so you're right like in moderation i feel like this is perfectly acceptable and they haven't done it in in quite a while so as, as much as it might fill me with trepidation going into it when you pull it off you feel good afterwards it's a high unlike any other in Sea of Thieves. Yeah. So I've got a couple of stories of the interactions that I had during this event. First of all, you kind of same, seemed like the the event, the experience that you and I had together was not all that memorable to you. So, or at least it, enough time has passed because what, that was seven months ago? <laughs> right. Um, I mean, I can jog your memory. No, I We've, mean, I... I, I I basically remember, but I guess for the audience's sake, we should. We, we should. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a good story. We found this sloop right at the outpost. We're in the middle of setting up the the ritual where you got to go kill all the megalodons, and at and we're we're as we're going and doing this, we're kind of like we've got to keep an eye out for another crew because once we get to the end, we need the other crew to continue, right? So so we better as we go, we got to find another crew. Well, we find the sloop, and the sloop is trying to do tall tales of the pirate's life saga. And they're telling us that they, they just never been able to beat the Lords of the sea. Um, <laughs> and we, and I told them, I said, Hey, we'll help you do that. If you help us do this. And they helped us do the shrouded deep and that we never, we forgot. We never <laughs> helped them. 
<laughs> we never helped him do the tall tale. They didn't bring it up. We didn't bring it. It was like we were ready to log off, so we just logged off. You know. Yeah. Um, but they, I joined their sloop. You know, there's two guys on a sloop. I joined. I was the third guy, and we sailed off. And we killed another ancient terror, and then we head off to do the thing. And the whole time that I'm sailing on this sloop, this guy is telling me so much. He's a very talkative, friendly guy, but he's telling me so much stuff. He says. Every single piece of equipped clothing that he wears as a pirate, he explained to me the significance. <laughs> this is why I wear the hat. Not, and this is why I wear these boots. This is why I wear these gloves. This is great. And, and, uh, Honestly, that's great. Loved, that's great that he cares that much about. Oh, he put a lot of thought into it. Yeah. Also, they were really hesitant to join us because we said it was the Megalodon thing. And they said that they'd never beat a Megalodon. Oh, my God. They were afraid. They were like, they're like, well, Meg, they were like, Megalons are really tough. I don't know. But if you guys help us, maybe, maybe we could do it. And I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> like we, we can do it. And, uh, he, he's, uh, he loves singing shanties. Yeah. Sang, he sang everywhere we sailed. This guy was singing and I've got Heil talking to me in, in the left ear and I've got singing shanty John here in the left ear. And Heil would ask, you know, th- not just Heil, but everyone from my galleon crew, from our galleon crew, would be talking and asking me a question. And I'd be like, guys, sorry, I'm, I'm listening to two conversations at once. That's the most jarring thing. Right. Because right. we were in party chat. Were we in party chat? No, no, no. We were in the game. Game chat. But you yeah. guys were on the galleon and yeah. I can hear you, but I'm on the sloop and I can hear them. Right, because you can right. still hear us because uh, you can hear your crew at all times when you're in game chat. Right. But yeah, I, I think it wasn't as as memorable an experience for me because you were the one having to interact with this crew. Oh, sure. And uh, yeah. I was not hearing any of their delightful bon mots <laughs> about their boots. Uh, yeah, so- one guy was one guy was so tickled. He was so tickled by the fact that one of us was dressed as a pirate and one of us was dressed as a Spanish um, imperial Spanish soldier. Conquistador. And one of us was dressed as a British Navy. He was just like, hey, look at this. One of us is a pirate, and one of us is a Spanish Navy, and one of us is a British Navy. And he was just so excited about it. I was like, okay. And then they walk into a bar... And, right. and 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 the, um, the bartender says, were, "Joe Manchin, were nice guys. how may I help you?" I don't. That, that joke doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and we did not help them with their tall tale. Um, but mm. anyway, I actually completed this event three different times with three different crews, right? Yeah. And because um, I did it with you in that story I just told, um, but I played it before I played it with you. I did it. I jumped in the game early in the event with uh, with with uh, friends of ours, Gibbon Cameron. And uh, Dead Eye Dre from also from Golden Sands blog post, and we jumped in. We went off and started doing the event. Actually, Cameron joined late, but but we were gone, and we run into a galleon crew of of literally children. I mean, these were like nine year olds, and they were all sailor outfits, like they had never played this game before, and they're on a galleon, right? Yeah, and we get them to help us like start the event and go. And we're in like the most extreme battle with shrouded ghosts and ghost ships and the NPC ship, right? The ship in the middle with American bell is also firing cannons, trying to shoot at the shrouded ghost. 
And this galleon crew of children, of like nine-year-old children, just constantly is getting in the way of the NPC fire. And so they're getting shot by Merrick, like constantly. And then they sank. And that was funny. I it's just like I don't know what to do. Like these kids, they were so funny. And then I did the event again after I played with you with Courtney, Ultra Mentality, and Mitchell. And I think Gibbon joined us on that. And we went out and went out after it again. Now this was um, the more stressful of the three experiences I had. And the reason is this: we went out and did it. We did about maybe three out of the four sharks that you had to summon. Something like that. Maybe four out of four. I don't remember. Um, and we got a server merge. Oh. Taking you off your server and merging you onto a new server. And we went back to the ritual table and all of the, well, maybe not all, but but we lost a lot of progress on the sharks that we already had summoned. Because that's not individual progress. That's server-wide progress, right? Yeah. Anyone on the server could have killed those sharks. But if you move to a new server then the progress on the ritual is is whatever that server has done. And it was like nothing. So we had to basically start over, and we almost quit, which would have made me feel terrible because I just wanted Courtney and Mitchell, who had not done the event yet, I wanted them to have a good time. But yeah. we kept with it, and we went and we did, we, we ended up, we just kept going. We got all the sharks that we needed, and... We eventually found a sloop at an outpost, which seems to be the way to do it, right? <laughs> and Mitchell, Mitchell recruits the sloop. I, I helped. Mitchell gets on the mic to, you know, telling them to help us out. And these guys were really wholesome, nice guys, just, just totally, like, wholesome. Very, I don't know. They, they were like, we're, too, we're out here trying to become pirate legends. We're working on our merchant alliance. We're trying to become... And I'm just like, wow, it's so, so cute. But... We go out to the battle, and the sloop is just getting pummeled. I mean, constantly pummeled. They're getting set on fire. They're getting every time that the shrouded ghost is biting, it's biting the sloop. It's not biting our galleon. It's biting these guys. And somehow, through the whole thing, they fucking lived. They never sank, but our galleon sank. Okay, <laughs> because me and Gibbon got knocked off the boat, and we couldn't. They, we couldn't keep up on bailing, so we sank. But we come back, we completed the event at, you know, at the NPCs and, and saw all the NPC stuff. Um, but the sloop never sank. And we gave them all of our treasure. We said, look, you guys take all the treasure that we sank with and go and... and... But anyway, um, long story short, one of the guys on that crew was named Diaper Load. So <laughs> that's really just all I want to say about that. There's a guy named Diaper Load and uh, he's a really was nice fellow. Yeah, just a, just a wholesome load of diaper. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but I, I thought it was a good time. I thought that you obviously I could have had a bad experience. Yeah. And three times I didn't, which means I got lucky. I'm not going to say that bad experiences didn't happen to people, but uh, I got lucky, didn't have a bad experience three different times. Um, but I think that it would be a shame if if they completely went away from doing things like this. But it also, I think they need to do it in moderation. For sure. For That's sure. really the whole bottom line of it. So I, I think you this is your favorite adventure out of this season's lineup. 
I would say it is. We've got two more to talk about, but um, um, they're not better than this. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't dislike this. I think it was my least favorite, and I, I think it's because I maybe didn't have those special experiences that you had across your spectrum of play sessions. I did it once, um, and it was it was fine. But I, I feel like the whole time I was comparing it to the bombast of the Hungering Deep. And there, there's also, this, this might seem like a silly little nitpick, Jeff. And I realize this is my hang up. And it, 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 it really shouldn't be held against the general conversation's opinion on this, uh, adventure but i really didn't like the usage of the hungry or the the shrouded ghost excuse me the shrouded ghost in this adventure i i thought it it made the shrouded ghost experience a bit cheap by oh you can encounter the shrouded ghost it won't count towards your tally um for for actually finding it in the wild but here you go i don't know it felt patronizing to me it, I don't know, it, you know, so I, I can I can I can see where all that is coming from, right? And it's not it's not like I have an issue with people getting to experience the Shrouded Ghost. I feel like it it felt it felt patronizing because it's clearly not the same. And I feel like it's leaning too hard into the meme that the Shrouded Ghost is just not in the game. And so it's like, oh, we're gonna come up with this in-universe reason. It swallowed this mask. That lets it travel between this realm and the realm of the afterlife. I'm like, well, that just makes the shrouded ghost clunky in lore. Was, was I don't know. Like if if it was a different type of megalodon, a megalodon we've never seen before, only for this event, I think that would have been cool. Um, I don't know. It, it's a minor gripe, and I and I realize it might be my hang up. But I well, it, it, I hadn't thought. I, I would say this. I, I hadn't thought of that idea. That it was a new Megalodon? Yeah. I think if it had been a new type of Megalodon, and then the four Megalodons you did up to that point, instead of being the four colors that aren't the Shrouded Ghost, what if they were just RNG, as always? Yeah. Go summon four Megalodons, and and, and in the same frequency of any other time, you might get a Hungering One. Or if you're incredibly, incredibly like lucky, you might get a Shrouded Ghost. Uh, but you're probably going to get a, a, a Hungering One or a Crested Queen, maybe an Ancient Terror, Shadow Maw. But, but like, go find four of them. The one you get is RNG. You bring four souls back to us, and then you get to summon a brand new type of Megalodon that's only here for this event. That would have been cool. I think that's cool. I had never thought of that, but I, I just want to say I actually don't mind that it was the Shrouded Ghost because to me, it it didn't feel. I, I I get what you're saying. It made it felt cheap or patronizing or whatever of those types of words that maybe you could feel. Uh, but to me, it felt like they were taking the Shrouded Ghost and making it a character. They're saying this thing has such a legendary presence in our community. That why can't it be a character in the story? And that's how I interpreted it is for a moment in time, that legendary presence in the game 
is affecting the story. And it is a moment in time that everyone gets to gather around. And yes, they get to experience having battled that creature, even though it doesn't count towards their credit in the way that the, you know, the, that if you really get to encounter it um, counts. Um, and I have to say, I'm glad, I'm glad it didn't count in that way. Cause that would have cheapened everything. That would have ruined everything. But, um, you know, I think that it, it just felt like this is a part of the lore. This is a part of the community lore and the, what people think is legendary about the game. And so let's bring that into the story and, and put a, spotlight on it and say look at this big moment where that thing that is so legendary gets to uh come to the forefront and and have a legendary moment and now it's gone and you may never get to experience it again yeah but how, how, does, maybe how, does, how does it work jeff like do because you, if, if you kill the shrouded ghost there are other shrouded ghosts potentially in the ocean. Yeah, it's not an individual. It's right. It's a... So, so is it just the one? Like the way they frame this is like, oh, the reason the shrouded ghost is so hard to find is it's usually in the sea of the damned or, or whatever. Uh, did, I don't. Did they care. all swallow the mask? Oh. You don't care. Okay, well I care. And and the... Uh, the one that we kill. Okay, I don't. It's a cute idea to say, <laughs> oh, it's so rare because it has this mask. But obviously, that's not actually true as the reason it's rare because now we've gotten the mask out of it and it's still rare. Yeah. And there has to be more than one individual because we killed that one. Right. So I just think that that's just a cute little like joke. It's not like real, like you can't, it's not the reason it's so rare is not because it swallowed this mask. Um, If you, if you take that idea completely out, if you if you pretend that idea doesn't even exist at all, then the fact that this is one of the Shrouded Ghosts and it has eaten the mask and this one has the power to travel between the worlds is such a cool idea. This one is cool as shit. And the only reason you have a problem with it is because you think it, it kind of creates this kind of lore uh, like plot hole of like well that can't be why they're all rare but like if you take that out of it if you if if that wasn't true and you just ignore that detail the fact that there is one of them that has the power to travel to the land of the dead and we have to try and hunt that one down that's badass that's cool that's a cool shark i think it's also a cool idea that the shrouded ghosts are so rare because they don't fuck enough yeah yeah yeah, no, they only they, you know, is that why I'm so rare? I don't know, but <laughs> uh, but this okay. I think that's all we really had to say about it. Yeah, don't yeah, you think? I, yeah, you know, yeah. I, fun event, cool to do the group, multi group thing, but I hope they don't overdo that. And I and that's the thing we're waiting yet to see because these adventures are new. And are they going to do the multi crew thing like every three months forever? Because in that case, I think it might be. It might be too frequent, but we're yet to see how that plays out. But in that same update that we got to experience the the adventure of the Shrouded Deep, we also got the uh, the other promised feature of Season 6. The main big feature of Season 6 was a new Pirate Legend voyage, yeah. and it finally came. But you had, to com- you had to get through the Shrouded Deep before you could do it, because... Story-wise, lore-wise, it is actually a continuation of that story. 
Which which is weird to me because this is kind of an evergreen thing in the game, but it, narratively it feels like it's so attached to this very temporary adventure. Yeah, it's, it's odd to me. I mean, that's that's a minor complaint. That's going to be my only complaint about this because I do really love this, and I'm glad it's in the game. I get that. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where I, I you know. There's a lot of little things in Sea of Thieves, maybe, that if you jump into it, uh, we'll talk the, the Pirate's Life Tall Tales. Yeah. If you play the Pirate's Life Tall Tales, some of the story in that is built off of other evergreen things you can experience still. But some of the story in that is built off of temporary time-limited things that you cannot experience anymore, like the entire Warsmith thing, right? Yeah. So... Um, yeah, that's just kind of, uh, I'm not going to say it's not a problem, but it, if it is a problem, it's a problem that's just kind of persistently part of Sea of Thieves. Like, it's always a problem. It, it's, it's not a problem for us yeah. because we've been playing since before day one, but I, I just can't imagine these little baby galleons, nine-year-olds it's, who jump yeah. into the game and like if what they- jump into the game now, there is story that you'll need to know that you can't experience in the game. You're just going to have to catch up with it by reading a wiki, right? And that feels weird. We, I feel like you and I have grown up in an era where we've never had that. But I, I feel like the kids today, you know, they they kind of expect that sometimes. You know, like you can't jump into a new game. And like if you jump into the Fortnite, uh, you can't experience any of the past story. No, you can, like I, I, on. I was thinking you about it. You got to go to YouTube. You're going to have to go to YouTube. I was thinking about becoming a Fortniter. Because, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of John Cena, just everything he does. And, and John Cena is going to be in Fortnite. And I'm like, damn, it's JCU. I've got to get into it. Uh, I didn't know this about the John Cena. I, I, now I have to get in. Yeah, but 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 it's like I, I'm going to have to do so much reading because it's not going to make any sense to me. Yeah, but yeah, like I said, I think that maybe the modern gaming audience and the younger modern gaming audience have a tolerance for this that you and I don't. I think you and I both have a conceptual um, hang-up that we see that and we think, oh, I don't know if I like that. But again, it doesn't affect us because we're not missing anything, you and I. We are keeping up with this game. Yeah. But we both have that gut reaction of like, well, what if I jumped in now? That wouldn't make sense. Or I would have to catch up with that off. But that's just a hang-up you have to get over because that's where the whole game is going. Like these adventures... Every one of these adventures is time limited, and every one of them is important to the overall story. So, and, and, it's, um, and it's it's it's, it's a minor quibble, and it's honestly not as much of a quibble as I had with the uh, Shrouded Deep. So, because because I really love this Legend of the Veil voyage. It is my, yeah. Let's talk about it's my favorite. Really it's my favorite pirate legend voyage in the well. Game. That's. That's that's not really that's a low bar, uh, <laughs> a pretty low bar. Nobody likes any pirate legend voyage except this one. But hey, this is a new pirate legend voyage, right? But it is a voyage you can repeat repeatedly to get treasure, and yet at the same time, it is framed as kind of a story in the way that a tall tale is. Yeah, um, and it operates like a tall tale because you've got a quest book. And and you've got NPCs delivering dialogue and all these things. And so you've got that element of it. I mean, honestly, to me, it kind of bothers me that the story itself is not evergreen. 
when it's a voyage that you're expected to do forever? It's essentially marrying a tall tale as a pirate legend voyage. Um, and, and you've got like different, as you like to say, modules in there that keep it fresh. Like you, you don't know what you're, you, know, I, get. you, you made me so self-conscious about using the word <laughs> modules that I didn't put any of them in the show notes. <laughs> I never said modules. It's and okay. Then, okay. So, so as I've alluded to on the conversation, I don't like when the illusion is broken for me that, that I can see basically the matrix code of the game, that this is just a game that, you know, I, I, I guess I could tolerate RNG, up to a point, but when you start breaking out modules, then I'm just like, oh, I'm not a pirate. I'm just an asshole sitting on his floor playing a video game. <laughs> I, because I because when I'm explaining how this voyage works, I feel like the word modules is a very useful word to get across to you mechanically what is going to happen. And then every time I used it, you just you just you nailed me. <laughs> You nailed me for using the word modules. But I nailed you right. like JC was nailed. <laughs> By that I mean John Cena when he was nailed at WrestleMania 29. By the I, thought talking, I, thought you, I really thought you were talking about Jimmy Carter. He did not win re-election. So. <laughs> he was um, nailed by the Iranian hostage crisis. <laughs> <laughs> he got nailed about just about everything that came at him. But what can you do? He had Listen, the last laugh we, with his Habitats for Humanity. He's still alive. He's like, <laughs> take that, Reagan. Uh, Flameheart Jr., the Servant of the Flame, he wants to get the veil stones that go to that magical mask, the Veil of the Ancients, the one that we recovered when we did the Shrouding Deep of, Shrouded Deep event. Now, when that event ended, they took that artifact and they gave it to the pirate lord for safekeeping right yeah this story continues on from there because the pirate lord comes out to us and he says look the forces of flameheart are trying to get all these magical stones that go in the artifact and we're gonna go and try and get them instead because they can't have them and that's the premise now Mm -hmm. obviously that's that's just like a cliche story in sea of thieves now that's exactly the story of the shroud breaker right yes but Oh well, and also Thanos it, wanted stones. You know, it's, we all yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's just it just it's just heavy in pop culture the last few years. Stones, we need magic get the stones. artifact, put the stones in them, and then yeah. you win or you lose. Yeah. All right. Well, in the voyage, there are three chapters. You're going to do two chapters, and you're going to build up to the final chapter. The final chapter is always the same, um, but the first two chapters are randomized. And I think that you and I have maybe only done this voyage like twice. So you might have seen every module. I, I said it. I said the word. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, I'll, you know what? But, I'll tolerate. You have three more <laughs> usages of modules. I get, I've got a ticker. Okay. Yeah. I, will, I, will, I will make sure to make them count. But um, you might have seen all of them in the uh, when we played, but you actually haven't because <laughs> here are the three things. Yeah. One of all right, the three modules is one of my usages. Uh, you can get a shipwreck graveyard, which is like okay, sail out to a spot and there's a shipwreck. We're, we're used to that; it's marked by seagulls. Except in this voyage, it's a graveyard with multiple shipwrecks, and you swim along, and there's like five, right? And 
you dive in them, you find some clues and it'll tell you like, okay, well, the cabin is locked on this one and that's got the chest that you need, but the key is hidden somewhere. And, uh, you know, you're following these clues as to where to go and look for it. But on top of that, all of them have that kind of mechanic from the Phantom Sea Forts where you can open drawers and open cabinets and look through things to find treasures. And um, that's just fun. But I think that just swimming in a little sea area with five shipwrecks and all this debris is really cool, right? Like, it's a cool moment that they have not done before. Or maybe you don't think it's cool, but... No, um, no, I, I think everything about this voyage is cool. Okay, cool. Cool. It's cool with me. Uh, the other one you could get, you could get uh, Bell. Bell, uh, it would be on an island. She'll give you the ghost lantern, the phantom lantern of the damned. And you go around and you light these braziers that are being held by these statues of, of ancients. And you light them all and you get to battle some phantoms. But the cool part here with the lore of this is you're battling Flameheart's phantoms and you're being helped by ancient phantoms. Yeah, And this is the first time in all of Sea of Thieves that we actually get to see ancients and hear them and, and everything. Yeah, and uh, it's I, I like that they only appear as ghosts or, or maybe memories. Um, it, it's, it's a bit nebulous what these spirits are in Sea of Thieves. I, I think they're not supposed to be actually conscious spirit entities like pendragon is but but just kind of like echoes um but maybe the ancients are i don't know but uh yeah it, it's cool because back when uh at the end of the uh what forts of the forgotten um when they said like oh Flameheart's got an ancient i was like are they keeping like a, a 1000 year old person alive and and like hooked up in tubes and you know like i how is that possible but i i like that they're they're keeping the ancients as like this distant thing but a lot you know having some fun without completely ruining the mystique behind them the the mystery yeah i i love it i think it's cool the visuals are all cool in this moment there are several priestesses that are maybe doing this like ritual that you kind of uh get involved in and each one of them priests are they're wearing a different themed stone mask right Mm -hmm. and so like one of them is themed after the snake and one of them is themed after the boar and one of them is maybe the i don't even remember i don't know the (laughs) the shark the shark and the bird i think it might be the four but uh they're cool i mean they're just cool uh it's cool to see ancients physically represented um and, and their designs are cool. But now the other type of module no. that, uh, that you could get is from Suds. You'll go talk to Suds, our favorite little freak. And, <laughs> and, and he'll give you a treasure map. But here's the thing is when I said that you might have experienced everything in this voyage in those two trips, uh, but you actually didn't. And it's only because Suds will give you three different kinds of maps. And all three of them are new styles of maps as far as gold hoarder maps go. Because one of them is a zoomed-in map. It's just like 
a normal X marks the spot map of an island, but it's zoomed in on a narrow area. And so the only way for you to figure out where it is is if you can recognize it because you're really good at recognizing a fraction of an island. Um, so it tests your expertise because this is for Pirate Legends, don't forget. Right. But then the next one is the lying maps. Lying maps are you've got a map of an island and it shows all a bunch of ancient uh, cave painting symbols uh, around the island on the map. But one of the ones it shows is not accurate. It's not actually there. And so you have to look at this map and say, which one of these is not at that location? That is the location where you go and dig. I have um, not again, gotten that one for sure. I have not played that are you, one. Are you are you positive? I felt like we might have, but I maybe don't. not. Well, maybe it's, I'm lying. Because it's like, you know, think, imagine like uh, Crook, Crook's Hollow. On Crook's Hollow, there's there's a rock on one beach that has two crabs on it. There's another rock on another beach that has a picture of the sun on it. There's a rock up high that's got a picture of like maybe, I don't know, a warrior with a spear. So the way that it would work is you've got a map in your hand and it's got Crook's Hollow and it's got all those locations and it's got those symbols. So you got one that's like, okay, here's the sun on a stone. Here's the crabs, the fighting crab, the dueling crabs on a stone. Here's the thing. And you've got a bunch of them, but one of them is not accurate. It's not actually there. If you figure out which one that is, that's the spot where you dig. So maybe maybe you didn't see that one. Um, The last one is a picture map. You've got a picture. It's actually from a first-person view, like an, like mm-hmm. a, a drawn illustration. It shows you an island that you're going to go to and then where on that island you're going to dig. But you need to recognize from a first-person view the landmarks of that island. And if you recognize those by memory, then you can figure out where you need to go. So, again, a little bit more tricky than a normal Gold Hoarder voyage because this is only for Pirate Legends. And they ought to be able to figure this stuff out. Or you can just coast on your friends like I do. Well, anyone who sails with me isn't going to have a problem figuring things out. But, um, you know, I try to let you try at least. No, <laughs> so. you, you, you do it for us. And then, you know, it's like you, you can catch a man of fish. But you, it's not you, true. You, I try to let you do it. You teach you teach them. Teach a man to fish. I don't know. Something John Cena said. You once. can you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make him fish. Uh, the last chapter is always the ghost garrison. The ghost. Not to, not thing. to be confused with ghost garrison who haunts Abbey Road Studios. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I like that. Uh, <laughs> Good. I'm glad. <laughs> uh, so at this point you will find a tornado, a giant spectral green and dark green and ghost-colored tornado uh, on Di- the map disco that tornado. marks where you go. I, I, disco. Yeah, that's what I'm calling it. Disco tornadoes. Disco, disco, duck. Quack, 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 quack. Um, sorry. <laughs> now we're going to get flagged. Yeah, yeah. We're That's it. We're fired. Twitch is firing us. The tornado, you go to the tornado. Anyone on the map can see this, which I like this, but I can see why people might not like this. People who are looking to do PvE and don't want PvP, whatever. But the the tornado is marked and you might get attacked, okay? Yeah. But you go to the tornado, You there is a giant fort, and you've got to, there are smaller emplacements, smaller mini forts around it, that if you destroy all of those, then the tornado goes away and then you can damage the uh, uh, the main four, but the cool gimmick of this 
is that you destroy these forts by physically shooting them with cannons and seeing the rock formation actually oh. like take damage and get destroyed as a destructible object. It's so satisfying, Jeff. I, it's like the money shot in porn. You, 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 right, like from pornos, right. Right, but but you get so much of it. Like the money shot. <laughs> but it's like, it's it's like it's like many money shots. It it just it just it's, satis- time. it's it's satisfying to get the crumble because so seldom in Sea of Thieves do things Every, none crumble. of my porn ever give me the crumble. <laughs> no, let's stop talking about porn. I'm talking about oh. Sea of Thieves and how because as we said, everything is wood in the game and the the sea forts in the game you don't destroy. Uh, we got a little bit of crumbly action in the Pirate's Life Tall Tales, but here you've got you just just on demand crumbles. I love it. I like. Yeah, this really feels like, like the only time things. they've done. It feels like the only thing in the game that does this, right? Like yeah. this, you shoot something and you actually see it crumbling and then exploding once it's hit the threshold, and actually seeing the the damage. Um, I don't think anything else operates like that. It's very satisfying, obviously. But then you get to fight the big main fort in the middle, and that one has like nine different destructible parts, towers and walls and things. You got to destroy all of them. They're all very equally satisfying in that way. And once you've done that, then the fight is over. The whole time you're being harassed by ghost ships. Um, And each time you destroy one of the emplacements... You can find some supply, uh, like, crates and things on those. Um, but the main treasure is all at the main fort. You, you finish that, you get a bunch of treasure, you get the last veil stone uh, that you need, and then you can... One thing, you know what, I'll tell you this. Hey, one of the cool things with this voyage, the um, the pirate lord does not start giving you his speech until you put the veil stone into the mask manually. <laughs> Which yeah. is quite quite a lot better than the Shores of Gold when you kill the Gold Hoarder and you're dead and you're waiting on the Ferry of the Damned and the Pirate Lord is talking away, but you don't get to see it. That, that was Yeah, when, when, when you die the same moment the Gold Hoarder dies in a very, like, Superman Doomsday kind of climatic, like mutually assured self-destruction. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. Now, like... The treasure that is obtained on the main tower, this is the reason other crews will come sniffing around when they see the Disco Tornado, because they can actually snap that away um, and kind of abscond into the night with it. And like being that the tornado is visible on the map, it, you're basically creating uh, sort of like the Fort of the Damned in an on-demand world event in the game. And uh, it, it can attract the attention of nefarious ne'er do wells uh, around yeah. the server, and and I think I've only had one encounter doing this where we haven't had other crews come in and steal our chest. So that being said, actually, I, 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 I do I like enjoy. That it. I think that if anything in the game is going to have that element to it, this should because it's like. Pirate Legend is the apex of the game. It's like the end game, highest level thing you can do. You've leveled up everything else, so now you're a Pirate Legend. So it's like, okay, this means that you're an expert. It means 
that you that you have played a lot. So presenting that extra challenge of like, okay, if you're going to do a pirate legend thing, you might get attacked by other crews. I don't mind that. No, I um, I, I don't mind it either. Like I that that is not a criticism or complaint. I'm just putting it out there into the universe. Like, hey, it's, it's going to happen. I it, it's happened more times than not. So I actually really liked that one time that we did it. I'm trying to kind of remember all the details, but we got attacked by a galleon, and I think they sank us. Or no, maybe, well, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but I remember that we got aboard them, or, or maybe Briegel, Briegel got aboard them. Um, whatever happened, they, oh, you know what it was? They were grade five reapers. They were grade five reapers and they sank. Oh, yeah. Right. They had a shitload of treasure and Briegel jumped out into the pile of treasure and starts combing through it to try and find their flag. Their grade five reaper flag. Yeah. He pulls it out. We are in the middle of the battle, like with all the ghost ships and everything. And so we can't really, you know, do everything, but we turn around and we, and we, and we're sailing by. And from the harpoon, we grab Briegel out and he's holding the flag. We got, essentially what we considered the one valuable thing we needed which was a grade five reapers because at that point yeah to to explain it to those who don't play sea of thieves or at least haven't played it in a long time or to play it as religiously as we do a grade five reaper flag comes around very seldom especially one where you defeat the reaper uh because they are at the very least, they think they're skilled at PvP, at player versus player combat. They are attacking other crews. They are being basically the the in-universe shitlords of the Sea of Thieves. And so to not only encounter a Grade 5 Reaper, because we usually try to avoid them on our streams, because we usually have some other objective we're trying to get done. So to be attacked, take them out, and get their flag, that flag then becomes the most valuable thing on that server. Independent of what we were doing beforehand, it it all becomes about getting the flag and selling it to the Reapers to get that commendation uptick, the reward, the renown. It, it's all of a sudden like, yes, they attacked us. They tried to get our treasure. We got their flag. Therefore, we got an even better treasure handed yeah. to us. So when we got that treasure on board and they sailed back right into the battle, um, but we're just like, fuck it. We don't actually care about <laughs> the, the Athena chest or any of the battle. Let's just get out of here and go sell this flag. We flee from them. I think that Briegel boarded them and got their anchor down and, and we just like put some distance between us and they just didn't chase us. Maybe like they just did the battle and, and got the Athena stuff and we're like, fuck it. We don't care. We got your flag. We got some of your other treasures. And we're going to go sell them to the Reapers because that is actually more rare. Like you can get an Athena chest on demand whenever you want. Yes. If you do a voyage, but you can't get a, a grade five Reapers flag on demand. You have to actively chase after another crew that happens to have reached grade five on your server and then kill them and survive long enough to sell it. So anyway, yeah, we sold it. That was great. We didn't even give a shit. At that point, yeah, they probably the thought voyage. they won, and and we're just chuckling to ourselves because they probably, you know, they might like they probably didn't get our flag, right? And I, they had to know what, what was up. That's though. the thing; they had a giant pile of treasure, and most of it we did not get. Yeah, 
But Brigo was smart enough to start piecing through the treasure and specifically got lucky enough to find the flag in that pile. Yeah. And then we harpooned him out of the water while we were moving. Because if we hadn't been able to pull that off, we never would have got that flag. And otherwise, then it would have all felt like a waste. But no, it was great. a good day. I always like when somebody comes to ruin your moment and they hand you a better moment that it like you're glad they ruined your moment because you ended up getting something you weren't even anticipating. Honestly, I love when I get attacked when I'm in the middle of a PVE type threat Mm -hmm. because I feel like I can always use that PVE threat against the enemy, which like the reason they sank wasn't just because we were fighting them. It was because ghost ships were fighting them, right? And and ghost ships can create the most hectic scenario in the game because your ship is catching on fire. You're, you know, constantly getting uh, bisected by them sailing through you. So you're, you're on repairs that splits the crew. So you can't stay on the offensive. You're just trying to stay afloat. It's chaos. And uh, yeah. yeah, you can use oh, that chaos it. to your advantage, though, when they're dealing with the same thing. Yeah, anytime you can use the PVE to help you against the threat, whether it is the cannons from a fort, whether it, you know, or whether it is you know a kraken, get them to sail into the kraken, those kind of things, and then especially the ghost ships in this, you know, they want to come in and sink us. They're going to be getting shot by the same things they're shooting us. Yeah. So we can use that to advantage. Um, so I, anyway, that was a great memory. That was a good time. Overall, final thoughts on the pirate legend voyage, Veil of the Ancients. Legend of the um, Veil. The Legend of the Veil. <laughs> right? That's what it's called, right? <laughs> yeah, yes. That's the name okay. of the voyage. The Veil of the Ancients is the name of the artifact. Okay. All um, right. <laughs> God, see if these. Jesus. Yeah, uh, I hate it. I like that. it a lot. I, yeah. I think that the, the the variety they put into it of what module you're going to get, that was my last use of that word. Okay. Um, I was going to say, you have one left, but you just used it. Yeah, I used it. Um, the, the variety that that has, it, it's nice. I think that each of those different parts that you could get are interesting. I think that it always, the fact that it always ends in that kind of bigger battle, sea, naval battle, that other crews are going to be attracted to. I like that because it raises the stakes and it may be in a thing in that context that should be high stakes. Uh, my only problem with it, if there is a problem, the only problem is that it is a thing you're supposed to like do repeatedly if you want to level up and, 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 but the story of it feels like a one time moment in yeah. time that happened that I, you're I, repeating kind of, kind of like tall tales. I feel like this could have been a new tall tale and then they could have created some sort of like evergreen idea spinning out of it. But that's a minor complaint because I do enjoy it so much. And yeah. it, it's finally a pirate legend voyage that feels a lot more kinetic. A lot of the stuff I like to do in the game versus what the original pirate legend voyages were, which was a lot of the stuff I really don't care for especially going to Thieves Haven and digging stuff up. Yeah, you know, I th- I feel like if the story of it was framed a little more evergreen. Yeah. Right now it feels like okay, one time Flameheart Jr tried to take over the seas with the flame with the Veilstone things and we stopped him and that ended. That's how it feels like. But if they kind of framed it a little different like okay, periodically there are these incursions from the sea, from Flameheart's forces, from the Sea of the Damned, 
And every time this happens, the, the pirate lord sends us out to collect some artifacts and stop it. And that happens regularly, and we always have to right. be on guard as pirate legends, and the, the pirate lord might call on us. Like that, you could just, the way you frame it and the way you write that story can make it into something evergreen. And um, they didn't do that. It's just a nitpick. It's not a big deal. I still really enjoy doing the voyage. I, I, think, but I think as a the writer... Second or third time, the second or third time you do it, you skip all the dialogue, right? Yeah. Like, Oh, yeah, for sure. I think as a writer, I'm more intrigued by the juggling act that it would take to make something like this evergreen. And I, I wish that attempt was made. But, yeah. again, I enjoy it so much that I'm not really going to lose sleep over it. Okay, so, well, that was in May. Uh, oh, Jesus. And <laughs> we still have about half an episode to go. No, we're, no, we're, we're going to breeze through the, the rest, I'm sure. Yeah, okay, well, let's do it. So, right there in May, before we get into the next adventure, yeah. there was a event. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it says, uh, Community Day. Community day, yeah. So community we talked. Day. We talked about the first attempt at a community day, the last Sea of Thieves episode we did back in ten oh three. We we the, the first community day was a disaster. I think it's fair to say because the servers crashed. Um, too many people tried to get into the game to partake in community day, and most people felt like couldn't play. They they sorted it out later in the day, but. You know, by by that point, the bloom is off the rose. Uh, the the moment has passed. So anyway, they 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 did it again. This is going to be apparently a regular thing every season. They're going to do one seasonal thing, yeah. One community day, and so of course, the first community day, we came, I I really put thought into it. And I was like, what would be a fun thing for DK Vine to do on Sea of Thieves Community Day that sort of bridges this. This, this divide that still exists between Sea of Thieves and that community and the old school rare fandom. Obviously, there is bleed through. Uh, a large part of our community and our, our close group of friends play the game. But, you know, um, a large chunk of, of that audience is still split. So I was like, we're going to do a banana horde heist, right? Uh, bananas are in the game. What if we just prioritize stealing bananas? That would be a fun kind of novelty thing that, that usually gets attention outside the box thinking, uh, ties into Donkey Kong. That would be fun. We're going to dress as Kremlins because we have the, uh, Golden Nile crocodile costumes in the game. A lot of Kremlin references, allusions in the descriptions there. So, you know, we we had it all all mapped out, so we finally did it in, in uh, Sea of Thieves season six for the community day. That worked; it actually worked. But you know what? Having actually done it, I think I hate community day. I I I just hate the concept of community day. I think I enjoyed it more back in season five when the servers were crashing and we couldn't actually participate in it. I I don't I don't know this this is me on my little box of soap, uh, just just the notion of a forced jovial experience like oh oh Sea of Thieves they're the rare Xbox I don't know they're telling us to have fun 
today. Let's have some corporate pleasure together. Everybody climbs over everyone else trying to get the community to notice them. And then, you know, your silly little plan of of doing some sort of avant-garde voyage doesn't move the needle. And then you feel like you failed. You failed as a Rare fan or or that you failed Rare in general. And uh, And maybe they wasted resources flying you out as part of the original Dozen Plus who played the game back in 2016. And for what? Because your Sunday morning stream didn't get views because nobody cares? Because Captain Bearded Clam gets thousands of viewers and the Twitch drops, even though they're going to defect a skull and bones when that comes out this autumn? I don't know. just, Just the idea of Community Day, like celebrating the community, it has no logical coherence from an in-universe perspective. And it just feels like a PR marketing scheme designed to make you feel bad or designed to make me feel bad. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just not worth getting into a multiple day funk that's only broken when uh, you, you tweet a stupid meme about Swanky Kong's tits and it goes viral on Twitter and you're like, all right, I'm back in the swing of things. It's just, is my self-confidence really that fragile? Apparently it is, but no thanks. I love Sea of Thieves, but I'm done kind of throwing my self-esteem across the coals because of these corporate boardroom reindeer games. I don't, uh, I, I don't feel like I need to prove my worth as a fan. And uh, I uh, lesson learned for the future. <laughs> well, I mean, that sounds like a good personal growth kind of idea of how you consider, yeah. you know, think about so, you know, things I, and how you approach content. I, I, but I, uh, I, I want to say I don't. I don't think it's 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 a malicious I don't I don't consider it a malicious, you know, bad uh thing even if uh it has caused you to have negative feelings, you know what I mean? <laughs> I I guess I just don't like it when every, you're like, "All right, have fun." It's just just like, "No, the the game is fun." I I don't know. I I don't I I I, uh, I you know, I... go ahead. I I I I I just I just don't like these these Things where you feel like you have to put on airs. I think that the community thing is fun because uh, of what I see people doing on Twitter now, or or, or or whatever avenue that you that you browse social media. I know that social media is in general shit and depressing. But uh, as much as the top one percent of like Sea of Thieves community people feel like okay those people have the audience and and they're you know and and they make me feel shitty there's so many people out there that are just like oh i have no audience but i'm just like making all these passion projects because i love sea of thieves and when you see that stuff get shared around uh it's really fun and i think that the community day being a moment where they put a spotlight on that is great uh i i i feel a kinship even though i don't always feel like I am a, you know, a part of the community that other people in the community recognize, even though I'm, I'm a content creator in Sea of Thieves that has what I consider to be a sizable audience. I, I, I get a significant uh, audience ship for the blog that I create. And, um, you know, when I've got a top, you know, I, I'm not going to get into numbers, but um, even though that's true. I don't always feel at home socially as part of whatever the 
quote unquote community is. Right. Uh, but when I see fans making fan work that is out of passion, I appreciate that. I see it. I think it's great. And I, and I love to see it. And, and, um, and so I think that, that it's great that there is a highlight on stuff like that. Even if, even if the highlight maybe disproportionately goes to the people who already have an audience that maybe you don't even think, you know, maybe care about or, or, or think that they should have the audience they have or whatever some person might think about some other person. But, um, you know, I, I, I think community is fun. It can be fun. I enjoyed the antics we got up to. Uh, the, the you know, the banana hoarder thing. Oh, yeah. I thought it was fun. You know, I, and yeah. even even though we can't cultivate a Sea of Thieves audience the way we would like to, um, or, you know, for DK Vine's streams, um, which is discouraging. There's no doubt about it. Um, I still think that there's some value in, in what they are doing with the Community Day. Yeah, I, I, I guess I give Community Day a B minus. All right, I'll give you that. Um, <laughs> at least it, 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 it mostly functioned this time. There were still some errors, some some buggy moments. We couldn't buy fireworks when we wanted to buy fireworks, but other than that, we got to play the game. So yeah. I'll give them that. Ah, uh, you know, what, let, forget about that though. We got a lot more to talk about, so we need to get into it. Let's sure. talk about the next adventure. Which, <laughs> personal, personally speaking. Not a fan. But, okay, so uh, so that's interesting because this was my favorite adventure uh, in the okay. season. Uh, now, and I I thought like I I guess what was it the stress that it presented to you, co proprietor of Golden Sands blog post that they had an adventure in the game that basically left the fate of your titular outpost to the whims of the play players to the to the sea of thieves community i think we i think we need to just for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about the fourth adventure that launched on may 26th went into early june was called lost sands okay and the gimmick of it was golden sands outpost had been shrouded in fog since february yeah and it all the, the people who lived there were gone. It was totally wrecked, and you could not use it as an outpost for all of those months. A long time. And after the last event, after the, the Shrouded Deep, Merrick kind of got, let's say he got motivated to have a bigger role in what's going on in the world. And he said, I'm going to go and try to help them to rebuild Golden Sands. But people on the Flameheart side of evil... Uh, said, well, we can't have that because the whole point was that we attacked Golden Sands under Flameheart's orders, and 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 if they just restore it to glory, then it makes us look like you know uh, a dipshits. So, so this was an event in which the community got to take a side between uh, deciding what was going to happen in the world. You could choose to save Golden Sands by supporting Merrick in the rebuilding efforts, or you could actively choose to hinder those efforts and ruin Golden Sands mm-hmm. by helping the Reaper's Bones company and Flameheart to diminish those efforts. And it was a thing where 
the outcome was not predetermined. It's not a written narrative by the, the team. Yeah. It was not, a, you know, it was a narrative that was up to whatever the community decided by whichever side got more support, right? Yeah. So. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. So your question, why didn't I like it in yeah. terms of, was it the anxiety? Well, I'll tell you right away, as a, just conceptually, the idea of losing Golden Sands Outpost when my blog is called Golden Sands Blog Post. Yeah. Uh, I didn't like that there was a chance. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. I, I, I've likened it to, to try to give myself your perspective. I, I had the little thought experiment. Well, what would happen if uh, the next Donkey Kong game, it, it opens with all of the vines in Donkey Kong's jungle, like being lit on fire and there's no more vines for Donkey Kong. What would that mean for DK Vine as, 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 as a, as a name, as a kind of play on words, you know, we, we are your vine, your, your <laughs> grapevine for Donkey Kong. Uh, but then it, it, you would lose like half the meaning uh, because Donkey Kong swings on vines. And so here, like it's more blunt for you because <laughs> Golden Sands blog post like means nothing if there's not a Golden Sands outpost. Like- I'm not going to say that they personally targeted me because <laughs> there's a lot of times when I don't think that they know that I exist. But, uh, but you know, all the reasons that I chose to name my blog what I named it is all the reasons why the same reasons why they chose that this should be the outpost that they center the story around. Yeah, and it is because this is just an iconic, beautiful, perf you know, picture perfect place that it creates an emotional reaction when you say. Well, what if this place gets destroyed forever? Um, All of the reasons that make that emotional are the reasons why I thought it was a good name for my blog. Because when I made the blog, you know, it's it's a pun, right? Golden Sands Outpost, Golden Sands Blog Post. Uh, But I had other ideas. It could have been called Plunder Blog Post or Daggertooth Blog Post. Uh, But Golden Sands was the only thing that ever really made sense. Once I nailed on that, it was like, nope, there's no other choice. Um, it's, obviously, it's, it's kind of the nonsense poetry that I think we both appreciate. It's Golden Sands blog post. <laughs> like what? Right. <laughs> what? Exactly. It's just like a play on words with such inside baseball that nobody knows what it means. Um, so obviously I have a personal connection to Golden Sands not being ruined <laughs> and whatever might, it, whatever could have come out of it if that if it had been ruined like wh- where would it go from there and and how would that change the meaning of the name of my blog um but i think on a bigger level it was just rough n- that i during this event didn't have the opportunity really to contribute because it was this moment where the it, okay so shrouded uh deep right shrouded deep is a moment of bringing the community together through forcing player interaction in the game. Lost Sands is is very different, but it is about bringing community together because it's about the interactive narrative element that is happening outside of game. It is about people who are discussing this game in social media and everything else, everywhere else, uh, taking sides. Mm. People making propaganda posters like... You know, join the fight, save Golden Sands, like all of these things. 
And in this level of engagement, I think that they, they're very happy with, with how much engagement they got out of it. That was always the point. Right. Is that people are engaged because this us versus them mentality gets a lot of people riled up and want, wanting to, to talk about it. Right. But I was upset because I couldn't really contribute because I got the COVID virus. <laughs> Which, I got so fucking sick right as this event started. I, I maintain that uh, it was a conspiracy from the Reapers to get you sick yeah, the gate. at the worst moment. Yeah. Talking about all these yeah. COVID conspiracies, this is this is one that has the most plausibility in my it's mind. It's got legs. It's got legs. Uh, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean, the fact that the stakes of this event were high for me personally feel like feeling like, well, if we, if, if we lose, that's going to suck. I'm going to feel sad, but also at the same time, I can't really contribute or do anything because I'm so fucking sick that combined made this not a fun event for me. Yeah. Um, that said, I like the concept I love like, this. So I, I love that level of engagement and that level of personal stakes. Uh, and I felt defensive because my friends, my friends, plural, Stray is my friend too, their blog, like their whole namesake was was under direct attack. So it really made me want to rally the forces and uh, and defend Golden Sands by by siding with Merrick in the adventure and um yeah i mean but like so so conceptually i really liked it and i really liked playing it um maybe you should say maybe i'll maybe i'll say a little more about like mechanically how it worked sure um so if if you didn't play the event if you wanted so there were two kind of story missions you could go on one for each side and if you wanted to get all the rewards, you actually had to do both. Which um, I don't really like. I feel like... So, okay. So, in some games, you choose a side at the beginning uh, of the event. And you're locked in then. So, I'm fine with each side having a different reward. But I really feel like you you should have only been able to get one of them. The other one would have been locked off from you forever. I realize people would have had a problem with that, but it's it's not like you're not getting something that's unique. Like, it would be split down, like, who has what, but I would have been fine with that, never siding with the Reapers, just because we felt like we had to, to, like, complete the adventure fully. Well, I'll say this. The only reason I do accept it, that I don't hate it, is... That narratively, it it does not um, present. It does not present these two options as uh, opposite points of view, and ask you which one do you want. Because if they did, then I would feel weird about my pirate doing both. Um, like from a narrative point of view. My pirate wouldn't choose both options because you made it clear that they're opposed to each other. Yeah. But actually, the way that they frame the Reaper side is not, you know, oh, go help Merrick to be helpful, but go help the Reapers if you want to be a dickhead. Uh, it doesn't do that. Instead, the way that they framed it was the Reaper side was investigating some strange happenings on 
uh, Wanderer's Refuge, right? Or something like that. And so to me, that was just enough to make me accept it. That like, okay, my pirate would do both of these things. He would go investigate, follow the rapers, learn what they're up to. And then even though he has helped them, he would stop helping them. But he's gone that far because he didn't come into it knowing that he was helping them. And then he would go and do Merrick stuff. That ambiguousness helped my brain reconcile the dichotomy of the two sides. And why would you support both? Yeah, like I I rationalized it as my pirate was going undercover, you know, whatever. Like he was just seeing what was up with the Reaper side. And so he could maybe better foil it in the future. And I think like I, I did... I did it enough so I outweighed, like, I negated everything I did with the Reapers um, Mm -hmm. by doing the Merrick stuff again, or, like, just so it'd be two versus one in my actions. I don't think I even explained. So if, if if you're at home and you didn't do this, mechanically, this is what it was. There's the two different Voyage sides you could go do. If you go to the Merrick side, you're going to go through a little story that involves... Um, Mer- Merrick's main goal is to get supplies and cargo to help build up the outpost. Yeah. So you're going to go and you're going to find some cargo and deliver it back to the out- to Merrick himself, and and that's the story. If you follow the Reaper side, their goal is to um, find some dark relic type stuff, you know, ancient evil relics, and um, deliver that stuff around and and blow up a evil uh a rowboat with an explosive full of dark relic energy blow that up at golden sands yeah and so the reaper side is much more of this kind of stealth mission because the reapers won't talk to you if your ship is nearby so you've got a rowboat around <laughs> that was um, fun to figure out because i don't think yeah we we didn't pl- i didn't play this at all with you um, i think you guys played it and i was gone maybe because i was so sick i yeah. don't remember yeah, I was I so fucking sick. So anyway, yeah, but it, we so we didn't have your expertise to lean on, and so we were figuring it out in real time. It's like, oh wait, we have to park the ship away, like far enough away from the island to get this creep to appear, this this reaper to appear on the island, so we can actually do this. I think it's. I mean, it's. I think it's a little confusing. I actually think. A lot of it is confusing if you if you don't know what you're doing, um, and maybe that that is a flaw in terms of like you know they could improve on how they communicate what you're meant to do. Uh, but as that aside, I actually think what you're doing is very cool and interesting. Of like, you've got to do this thing for the evil faction, but they won't let you do it if your ship's around. So you've really got to sneak around in a rowboat, which is fun and interesting. You know, like yeah. rowboating around. So that nobody sees what you're up to is both mechanically and story wise cool. It's cool that that is like a faction of a factor of it. But anyway, um, you got to do both sides. But other than that, other than just doing the voyages for each side, there's just this kind of ambient contest going on, right? Like uh, which side is going to win uh, because even when you're not doing one side's voyage or the other side's voyage, you can contribute to your side because 
at any time, all the time during this event, if you delivered certain supplies and things to Merrick, you were helping out that side. If you delivered the dark relics from the Reapers, like if you if the Reapers were, had dark relics and you killed them and stole them, and you give those to Merrick, you were helping Merrick's side. Um, on the flip side, if you're the Reaper, if you want to help the Reapers, if you stole, if you found people doing Merrick's voyage and you stole their stuff, brought it to the Reapers, you would help the Reaper side. If you found some relics or, or you found one of those rowboats that explode, you take that to Golden Sands and blow it up, you help the Reaper side. So this is a way that, like, even if you're not just doing the voyage over and over, mm-hmm. you still, while you're around just sailing the world, playing the game, you have a way to contribute to help your side or the other, or whichever side that is, you know? And, uh, uh, and I think, yeah. like, the 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 spoopiness of golden sands you know shrouded in the ethereal fog it it would diminish depending on which side it, depending like if Merrick's side was winning it would start to clear up a little bit but if the reapers yeah. were ahead then it would get gloomy again that was the coolest thing honestly like like on a on a technical level that was probably the single cool thing about the event which was you know, you could go online to a website on uh, seaofthieves.com and find a page that would show you kind of a meter. And it said, oh, the servants of the flame are ahead or, or Merrick's side is ahead. And it wouldn't be exact. It wouldn't show you exactly a percentage, but it would just kind of show you they're either kind of at a draw or one side's ahead or the other side's ahead. And that was all you kind of had to go on. But the island itself of Golden Sands Outpost was shrouded in a fog. Yeah. And it dynamically would change if the global score of which side was winning or losing changed in real time between the the neutral balance, which was just the normal fog, the Reaper side winning, which is like a much thicker fog, and then suddenly like ghostly apparitions would start up appear out of the fog because that veil between the sea of the damned was so thin you're starting to actually see ghosts appear and then if Merrick's side was winning then the fog would start to become a lot clearer not all the way gone but like pretty freaking clear and you'd see that difference and that change could happen if you happen to be standing on the island when that change happened in real life, like in, in terms of the global tally of the points, you would see it happen in real time, which was a rare occurrence. Like it's not like that global balance changes all the time. No, you just had to be lucky, but what an amazing piece of tech for it to just be able to have that experience. It's rare for something to go off without a hitch in sea of thieves. That's this technically precarious. You know, uh, and so, yeah, hats off to them. It it reminded me because especially as we got closer to the deadline, it reminded me of the anxiety one who's politically inclined may feel during an election season. And, and so the state of Golden Sands outpost was almost like, oh, how many yard signs does the other side have? I'm seeing yard signs for them everywhere. They're clearly ahead. Um, so, you know, I, that's where my brain goes, of course. But um and and of course, I I had this cynicism, this pessimism 
that, of course, the Reapers would win. Of course, Golden Sands would be destroyed because too many players, especially playing Sea of Thieves, would want to just see it burn. Just to see it burn. Because, yeah. oh, that's, well, that's, think- that's, that's the most interesting thing, to destroy it. Like, let's not even think about how our pirate would feel or any personal role playing. Yeah. We just want to see it destroyed because what are they going to do then? Ha ha. Let's let's do it. I do think that there was a sentiment, a, a very prevalent sentiment, that if we saved the outpost, it's going. the outcome will be boring because the outcome is just that we get the outpost back, which we've always had. And we get to see nothing new. But if we destroy the outpost, who knows what that might mean? Maybe it will be turned into a Reaper or something or other. And so the fact that it might be an exciting change from the status quo versus the other one being, an, they assumed, the establishment, quo, right? <laughs> then they, I, I absolutely think that that's a logical point of view. And I think a lot of people led into that point of view of thinking, well, I've already seen what the game is like when this is true. So why would I want to just return the status quo? Why not find out what would be different? But I think that the the people on the team, Mike Chapman and some of the, you know other people from the team, have said and and maybe have even said that they they should have communicated this better. But just saving Golden Sands doesn't necessarily mean that the 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 status quo will be identical, right? And maybe that should have been highlighted more that, yes, clearly destroying an outpost is going to be different from the status quo, but that doesn't mean that the consequences of what happens when you save Golden Sands are going to be boring. And a lot of people read it as that. A lot of people read it as, well, there's a boring choice and a question mark choice. So let's go with the question mark choice. And I get that, but I think that the team could have communicated better that like, actually, no matter what you choose, it's a question mark of what's, what's going to transpire and how that's going to change the world. And I, and I think that we've yet to see really how that's all impacted. We haven't seen the consequences of everything yet. Um, I'm excited for that, but uh, yeah, you know, having the personal connection to golden sands and all that stuff and, and then being sick, Really made it a, a difficult event to, yeah. to be invested in, but I was still able to complete the event like five times over, <laughs> like because well, because I had friends that were like, "Oh, I want to complete. It. I haven't beat it yet." And I'm like, "Hey, let me take you through all the events." And I'm not saying that you being sick like affected your overall impressions of it, but I do know, like we, we talk about how our own personal experiences do cloud uh, how we perceive things, and we've had varying opinions on this very episode about some of these events and it all comes down to what our personal experience was or where we were in life at that exact moment and so i think that might play a part in it and part of the reason i loved it so much was i was in a much better mind much better uh headspace when i played this than uh maybe community day (laughs) but um right well, there's two final thoughts, I think, on this. Yeah. One is just the outcome. Because totally shocking. If you, if, yeah. If, if you haven't been following along, you might not know. Uh, the team that won was the Save Golden Sands side. 
wasn't even and close. It, it, it was, in politics terms, a landslide victory. Well, I think that's true. But the actual percentage was uh, 53% to 47% was the final tally, um, which looks close. I, I mean, agree I, with you. In I, I, mean, I mean, it looks close, but I'm not saying this was Reagan Dukakis, or, or excuse me, George H.W. Bush versus Dukakis, or Reagan versus Mondale, like landslide. Um, this is, in modern terms, a landslide. Yeah. Yeah, like like a, a thing that percentage wise looks close, but was actually like not within uh, worry. Yeah. yeah, for so much of the event, especially when you can see, watch along and see, okay, well the Reaper side is winning right now, and 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 so much of my uh, thought process watching it along was that if one side took the lead early, it probably meant. That, that they were in the early stage of snowballing away with it, right? Yeah. That was how I viewed it. I was like, if this is a if 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 this is a two week event and one team is leading two days into it, that means that by the end of two weeks, that team is just crushing it. Because it's gonna snowball because whatever affects whatever happens in that first two days is just gonna happen over and over and over again for two weeks. And then the team that was ahead will be so far ahead by the end. Um, that's how I imagined it would go down. And it didn't. It actually went back and forth and back and forth. But a lot of times when I looked, the Reapers were winning. And I was nervous. <laughs> and and then in the end, it all just came back and, and Golden Sands won. And um, I don't know. I, it, it's a fascinating little moment that we're not yet ready to really analyze the effects of because we haven't seen the like what's taken place because of the decision that happened, right? So, um, uh, my but I want to say this as a final thought about it. When I said that events that require multiple crews to come together, like Shrouded Deep, when I said that that needs to be done in moderation. Uh, I really think this idea of pitting the community against each other to decide the future of the game needs to be done in moderation. Oh, for sure. Like way more moderation. For sure. If yeah. I, I almost feel like this should be a once a year thing. And I'm almost afraid that they are thinking this is a every three months thing. And we haven't seen, we have not seen what's coming soon or what's next. And we don't know. But, like, I think that this idea is going to be old and very tiring if they do it too much. And and I am not going to enjoy it How? if if they lean too far into this as, like, a way to drive engagement. Yeah. How, like, I, I, I brought the politics comparison. What if we just did it every four years? <laughs> do this every four years? Yeah. Well... Yeah, I mean, even if it was every one year, that's one thing. But what if the what if the politicians said, "Let's do an election every three months"? I'd fucking kill myself. <laughs> no, yeah, for um, sure, for sure. And 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 honestly, that's what it feels because it's like all the specialness of this, all of the um, drive, all of the passion is going to really evaporate if this just becomes a really regular occurrence. And I think that when you say three months, it sounds like a long time, but in the lifeline of this game, that's really not. Every three months, 
is every one third of everything that's happening because everything that happens is once at a month. So if you're going to tell me that one third of everything that happens in this game is a multiple crews have to work together like the Shrouded Deep, or if you say one third of everything you do in this game has to be a everyone in the community chooses a side and it's a big freaking political fest. That's a lot. One third is a lot. Okay. So I think that every six months is maybe a better cadence or even, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like you're, we, we don't know if they're going to go that frequently every three months. I'm, I'm just saying I'm afraid of it. I'm afraid that, that, that might be what they do. And I would really not like it. Yeah. Um, you, you want it to be special. You, you want it to feel exactly. like a novelty. Uh, it, it's People like, aren't going to engage if it's not special, no. if it's not rare and it, interesting. It, it, it's like pleasuring oneself to pictures of Goatsy or things crumbling in porno. Ew. Uh, you know, you, you want it to be special, so don't do it every day. No, that's okay. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> we are almost done. We are almost done. I, I promise. Even though we're really not. I, but. I like how you're pleading with the audience. No, I swear this episode is coming to an end. <laughs> we're going to get the. Listen, if this is over four hours, I'll be sad. No. You, I mean, you, not, not you, four hours, you, three hours. You have somewhere to be in like 30 minutes. Yeah, we, we've got to have to heart out. Well, I'm, I'm here. I'm not going to leave on a dime's notice. You're gonna go I won't like leave Chicago you high and dry. Something. I have plans in 30 minutes. But if we're still going, we're still going. I'm not going to leave you high and dry. That said, God, can you imagine listening to an episode of a podcast that's more than three hours long? I would kill myself. Um, no offense. No, it's, I, I've claimed many victims <laughs> in, the past, in the past few weeks. All right. Well, at this point, ideally, the season would have ended and we'd be into season seven by now. Of course, that didn't happen. And, and and I have no complaints about that. Like I have no personal issue with the team delaying oh. something oh, that yeah. needs to be delayed. Right? We 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 joke, we uh we talk in jest, we jape, but uh honestly, like I'm so looking forward to captaincy and everything coming in season seven, and I want it to be done right. Yeah. I don't want there to right. be uh Hinks, I hink. I don't want it to be Hinky, John Hink Hinkley Jr. I don't want <laughs> the president to be shot. I uh, yeah, I, we wanted we wanted Jody Foster a good work environment, and <laughs> and Jody Foster the best possible content that we that we as players get to play. Even but, though um, he no. defeated Jimmy Carter, beloved <laughs> JC, uh, I don't want him shot. So. Uh, I, I want it done right. I want the team to have as much time as they need or needed. And uh, I'm, I'm not a complainer. Like I said, just like uh, pleasuring oneself to Goatsy, I only play Sea of Thieves once a week and I keep it special for myself. I'm not burning myself out by uh, by playing every day and being like, where's the content? Because the content is yeah. there aplenty. So no complaints here. Yeah, the way that we're doing this is not how we get this episode done in 30 minutes but um <laughs> uh, look yeah i got no issue with season seven being delayed but here's what we still had to 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 look forward to 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 engage with 
at the end tail end of season six because another adventure did happen in that season. But before we get into that, we had to talk about uh, and we're not going to get deep into this because no. I don't think either one of us have the expertise to get in I deep don't think into we this. Care enough? Uh, true. Uh, is that during season six, not only was adventures something that they kind of pitched this year as like a big thing that was going to change how they tell stories in CFEs, but they also pitched mysteries. Mysteries was going to also be happening in parallel alongside adventures and alongside seasons as a way that they were going to tell story and see of thieves in another different way. There are all these different ways they're going to do it. And mysteries is another thing. So what are mysteries? Well, the mysteries, the first mystery, it kind of started there at the tail end of May. And um, what are, what are mysteries? Mysteries are something I feel they've already done before, but they're now finding a way to kind of market it and package it and uh, go deeper with it than they've ever done before. But what they've done before is is, is uh, these ongoing puzzles, things happening in the background of the world of Sea of Thieves. Hey, look, we put a bunch of little mysteries in the game, and if people discover them, and we've got some other stuff going on, and, and see how they piece them together. Um, they've done that. But mysteries are now like a concerted effort that there is a whole team just, just working on this. They're just like, we are essentially running an a con, a constant ARG campaign. ARG campaign, alternate reality game. Um, they are that sort of a game that is taking place both in the game of Sea of Thieves, but also outside of the game through social media and other platforms, websites and things of that nature, uh, you know, transmedia storytelling. And the idea, again, like I've said, they've dabbled in this all before, but the idea is that from now on, there will always be a story ongoing that they are telling in this method that if you are the type of player that likes that kind of thing and is engaging with it, then um, you've got this element of puzzle solving to engage with. But it's sort of a community thing because it's like, it's not an individual thing, right? If if there was an individual puzzle and they said solve a puzzle, I'd say, cool, I like puzzle, I'll solve a puzzle. Yeah. But this is sort of a thing that kind of in- requires a, uh, engagement and groupthink and social work, you know, social collective work because one guy can't solve all this and it, and it just is moved. It moves so fast. Um, but, but anyway, the, the, it has begun. It has begun here in the in, back in May with the first story being a murder mystery. And that murder mystery is that DeMarco Singh, the son of the pirate Lord, former co-runner of the sea dogs arena has been found dead on Sea Dog's Rest, and through kind of puzzles happening in the game and outside of the game on social media, people are slowly trying to piece together from from week to week, uh, kind of what happened there, who who done it. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, this this doesn't hold much interest for me, precisely for the reasons you just said. That that it's it's community based. It's 
out of the game. Like, like it exists in the game, but exists out of the game on social media. And I just feel like because of the way I engage with Sea of Thieves, I'm never going to be a part of this. Right. It, it, it well, it's, is, just, it's difficult, right? Like it's the social media platform puts out a tweet and the tweet says a thing and people look at that. If they, if they're there within minutes, they see it and they see that it pieces together and they look and they say, well, what if I go in game and I look at a thing in the game? And so they are at their Xbox within minutes and they can go to and they can like say, okay, well, I'll sail this island, look at this thing, and find a little clue. And then they go to social media and then they say the thing that's happening in the game ties to the thing that's happening on the thing. But it all is predicated on your ability to drop what you're doing on a moment's notice and engage yeah. what's happening on the social media or both and slash or jump into the game at a moment's notice and sail around looking for a clue. Which I think it's all great. I have no issue with this, but I'm with you in that I can't really engage with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like I don't have the time to drop what I'm doing. As as a busy adult, I can't. <laughs> I just yeah. can't. And, and but it's that, cool. Yeah, it just makes me feel like I. It just not. I'm not part of it. I it, that that ex- feeling of being excluded because i i just can't be there for it constantly it's it's similar to that golden banana thing they did right before the game came out um yeah so it's just yeah but but you know like i i do enjoy having the lantern around and occasionally whipping it out to look for clues it's kind of this nice background element in the game I'm just going to say right now, I don't think DeMarco's actually dead. I think he faked his death. Um, Ooh, that's a fun kind of theory. Yeah, well, he's a shitbag, DeMarco, and I don't think... Yeah, I mean, we kind of like him. Yeah, sure. so, so I, I feel like, you know, all all we have to go off of is uh, what he was up to, which we're still trying to piece together, and the fact that his skeletal remains were purportedly on Sea Dog's arrest. But those could have been, been anybody's skeleton. Where's the dental records? And, uh... Also, how didn't he just come back? Because, you know, they, they've they attached this concept of the fairy of the damned and, you know, the, the life-death cycle. There has to be an elaborate reason why somebody stays dead or stays in a sea of the damned. Uh, they, they ought to concoct some reason. So why didn't DeMarco come back? Why did his corpse so rapidly decay? And eh, it just doesn't add up. Dude's still alive. Well, uh, you know, but this is what I'll say. I, I think it is all cool. I think it's exactly the kind of stuff that I would love if I had the time and freedom to really just be part of. And I think that the people who are solving it are just like, okay, we got a bunch of people in a Discord, you know. And as soon as anybody finds anything, they share it to the Discord. And a big group of people all get to know that at the same time. And then they all get to look for things at the same time and share it with each other. And it's this thing that's like people are like they are engaged in because they have the time to be engaged in. You know what I mean? And, and that sounds and, nice. It sounds nice to I have think the time. I think it's great if you have the time, but, and I don't, but yeah. it doesn't bother me that I can't be part of it. And it shouldn't, shouldn't Jeff, because you know, freedom, is just another word for nothing left to lose. Okay. Freedom, freedom um, just makes me think of 
of the Paul McCartney song Freedom. <laughs> it makes me think little, of the fries. Little little post nine eleven number. <laughs> on, uh, on, uh, what, what what was this tour that was like? Uh, was, what was it in the? There was one back, that was like in, in the, the world. US, and, back in the U.S. Back in the tour. world, and then back in back in the U.S. happened first, right? I don't know which one happened first, but yeah, back in the world. I don't think he broke out freedom much on the back in the world. No, no, no. But I think that back in the U.S. was a play on back in the U.S.R. U.S.S.R. Brilliant, brilliant. And then <laughs> so he makes back in the U.S. tour, which has freedom on it, which is this like patriotic number for the Americans. And then he goes into the back in the world tour. And the whole time we're just like, who are you kidding? You're not even the original Paul. <laughs> Um, but anyway, but it's okay because the original Paul was killed by Al Qaeda, so it that was. But, but look, you know that was the original ARG campaign. Is 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 Paul is dead? And and yeah, that's you know true. what we weren't there, but we still think it's cool. Um, yeah. Anyway, you know I think this is cool. I think that the elements of it that are that one of the things is that they've done stuff like this before, but. Not a lot of it has been in the game, right? Yeah. And this feels like a they are now invested in it. And so now they've made it like this big ongoing thing. And so there's this good balance of like, okay, go to the Twitter, see a thing, you know, all this stuff, find out how it connects. And if the community solves that, they actually flip a switch behind the servers and cause a thing in the game to change. And then the sleuths, log into the game and they can find that. And like, that's like such a cool thing. I wish I had the time to be looking at that, but I don't. Yeah. And I get that, that that's um, kind of disappointing. People like us who can't I, engage with it. We, I, but I'm trying to I'm stay. Glad it exists. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm glad try, it exists. I'm trying to stay emotionally distanced from it because of the FOMO, you know, I, I, right. yeah. so I'm, I'm, and I, at the very least, there are no in-game commendations attached to this. This is all just ephemeral kind of texture in the right. game. So they're not punishing you for not being the first to solve it. Yeah. Well, let's move on. Yeah. Uh, because later in June, actually like pretty late in June, uh, we got the, the next adventure, which I, I think at one point would have been planned to be in part of Season 7. But it is what it is. Uh, Adventure 5. Actually, right about that time, we actually started to see the consequences of Golden Sands being saved, right? Because uh, in the the newest update, Golden Sands Outpost is no longer under a green spectral fog. For the first time since February 17th, Golden Sands Outpost is fog-free, and it has officially been renamed in the game as new Golden Sands Outpost. All the NPCs are back. You can sell treasure there. You can buy voyages there. You can buy cosmetics and things there. It is functional as it always has been. Plus, it still has all the cannon emplacements. It's not like they've just rewound time. It's like they've rebuilt a destroyed place. And all of the destruction is still... The evidence is there that that this event took place. Mm -hmm. Um which I love. It's really cool uh, to have cannons on, on an outpost because that adds oh, an element awesome. of danger to what's normally been a safe space in the game. So, yeah, I just think that's so functionally 
interesting. I've not yet had an experience where that has created like a story, uh, but the fact that it could, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. I'm excited for when that day comes, when I am having a battle amongst the crew, either I'm defending my treasure or I'm trying to steal treasure or whatever. I at Golden City yeah. Outpost, and those cannons come into play. I'm, I'm hoping it'll be us manning the cannons. I'm hoping we strategize. That'd be and it, it's sweet. Not, yeah. Yeah. So the next adventure also then just took place, right? Yes, um, the, the last adventure in season six was the Forsaken Hunter. Yeah. Which I think started the very tail end of June, won a couple of weeks. Um, Merrick, the savior of Golden Sands outpost, the, the, the man, the myth, the legend, um, he's gone missing. He's gone missing. And when we go and talk to Bell, we find out that in fact he's actually been slain by a mystery assailant, a hooded masked figure, uh, which is very similar in style and look the, to Wanda the Warsmith, but not the same. And in fact, we actually got a preview that this was a separate character all the way back in the forts of the Forgotten Tall Tale, or uh, not Tall Tale, Adventure, uh, when they put out the YouTube video preview of that adventure, we saw Wanda the Warsmith on a ship with a second masked stranger as her second in command. Yeah. Well, this adventure puts them front and center as the assailant that has killed Merrick that we are trying to kind of follow in the footsteps of. And uh, as we go along the adventure, this is th- what I like about this one is it's much more of a kind of follow along the story, low pressure adventure, which I think is great after the past couple of ones we've had that have been very high stakes, very involved and engaged. And I think it's great to find step back to one that's just like, oh, this one's all lore, all following along ghosts and watching kind of the lore. Yeah. Reveal. I'm I'm fine with these like low stakes adventures. It feels like a free period in an otherwise very hectic day in high school. It's like, oh, sure. thank God I can just, you know, relax and let my anxiety melt away for a blissful 45 minutes or whatever. Yeah, it, it, it's good. And it, there's a lot of lore in here that I could focus on and absorb in a way that I may not have been had I been too worried about getting another crew wrangled or what those Reapers are up to. Right. Yeah. So we, we follow in the footsteps of this assailant and along the way, um, we kind of learn about their relationship that they are the kind of second in command to Wanda, the warsmith. And that, um, throughout this adventure, we see that they essentially do a ritual to create a magic scepter. And this scepter, uh, allows them to travel freely between the veil between the the sea of the uh damned and sea of thieves and we know we kind of learned that before that like the uh the dark brethren including the warsmith are trapped in the sea of the damned and the only way they can communicate is through the box of wondrous secrets which we learned is a is essentially just a way to communicate with the sea of the damned as a way to see into the land of dead, um, which is great lore, but yeah, they create the scepter and they can just freely teleport. 
But why can they do that is because it's made of the gold hoarder's skull, the skull of the gold hoarder, which was discarded and left when the gold hoarder met his demise in the uh, Dark Brethren Tall Tale. Well, he met his second demise. His second demise. Um, And we learn through the journals on this tall tale that the eyes of the gold hoarder are veil stones, <laughs> just like the magic stones that power the veil of the ancients. I, I mean, obviously that's like, I mean, I just love that. I, I it's dumb. It's such I, okay, a retcon. Okay, so I, I, I complained about the the retcon to the shrouded ghost. I didn't like that one, but I like this one because this one is so stupid. It wraps back around again to brilliant, right? I think I, it is brilliant. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's dumb. It's dumb, 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 sure. dumb, dumb. But it's dumb in a very delicious way. It's the kind of dumb that I enjoy. The the note, and they even kind of explain in those journals that because the gold hoarder's eyes became veil stones, um he was able to peer into countless worlds and see all the treasures that could ever exist. And that's what drove him crazy. Yeah. And I just love that. I mean, it's great. Like, of course that would drive you crazy. If your eyes were a device that can cross between realities, it just drives you nuts. Like, I, I think it's great. I love it. So they get his old skull which of course we know that in the far off future will eventually be asphyxed to a hover skateboard in the game bleeding edge. edge. Yeah. That that's yeah. still canon people. This doesn't negate it's anything. It's 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 absolutely canon in the Sea of Thieves. <laughs> and 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 so they build the scepter and they can now travel between the worlds because the veil stones have that power. Um, using I, they did a ritual to make this thing, and yeah. They, but uh, also along the way, we learned the identity of that assailant, which is Amaranta the Sea Dog. Right, and uh, Amaranta, Amaranta the Sea Dog. She was one of the red herrings originally for uh, the masked person the on the uh the reapers hideout before it became the reapers hideout which turned out to be wanda the warsmith um right but but we thought it could be amaranta there there she she was one of the candidates for her identity but now they've kind of made good on that and had her join forces with and what i love about this is the speech she gives when it's revealed about how when DeMarco went missing and became found dead, everyone believed it was her, which of course they would because she has a secret bunk in the, in the top of the sea dogs arena tavern where she has pictures of DeMarco and Lucetti, where she has thrown knives through their heads on the, on the paintings because she doesn't like the way that they run the Sea Dog Tavern and she wants to replace them and she wants to kill them. And so, obviously, if if DeMarco goes missing and is presumed dead and, 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 and we don't know who killed him, everyone is going to blame Amaranta. 
because she actively wanted him dead. Right. Right. It's like saying, I don't masturbate to Goatsy when they find your secret closet that has pictures of Goatsy. What is it? I don't, I don't, I don't want any more of the Goatsy. No more. (laughs) No, we don't need it. This is, we can, we can, we can be funny without it. But I love that speech she gives of this, like, everyone thinks it was me. So I didn't have a chance. I did. I had no, I had no other opportunity to have a future everyone just thinks i'm a murderer so i might as well become a bad guy (laughs) right which seems like the origin story for a lot of shitheads these days oh (laughs) oh i was canceled online oh well i guess i have to lean into it and become a nazi now (laughs) why i I can't post on twitter i guess i have to post on i don't even know the name whatever (laughs) nazis use I, i i can't get airtime on fox so i have to go to oan um yeah, anyway, but I but I like it because one, it ties that mystery back into the main story. Yeah. Because up to this point, the idea that DeMarco's been murdered, it is in the game and it is happening, but like it's something that they that is not has any attention drawn to it. So you easily could just have not noticed that. Um and for the whole duration of the mystery, maybe that's how it would operate, is just this like side story that 90% of the player base would never know happened. And that I don't like. But this moment says, no, that that story that is happening in parallel to what else is going on, everyone is going to react to that. We, we other characters in the world, we know that's going on, and we're going to react to that. Mm-hmm. And that is what I like. It's, it's made yeah. that mystery, even though I'm not going to engage with the mystery uh, myself in terms of actually solving it and engaging with it day to day. I want it to have a story consequence that the world and the characters are recognizing. And this is the first time we've seen that happen. And it's exciting for me because Sea of Thieves has always had so many balls in the air. They're juggling so many divergent plot lines. So to see the plot start to intersect... Uh, mm-hmm. that that's really exciting because we really haven't had that up until recently where where things start to cross over and and there's a bit more bleed through and cause and effect and it makes the world feel much more organic and and natural in the way things unfold yeah absolutely um yeah if you're going to be telling a story on the side it it just would feel like a missed opportunity if you did not tie that into anything else that's going on. So I am glad that it is tied into what's going on and it is and, relevant. You know, at least they're uh, making the most out of shuttering the arena. You know, they're they're making use of the cast right. and they're they're showing there's actual fallout from that. And it's not just, well, we removed this feature from the game and now it no longer matters. We're still having the ramifications right. for it. I might I might have even said that in the last episode when we talked about it was that the that the good thing is all these characters that are tied to the arena now are open and free and in theory they can be used for any other story you want to tell. Yeah. And they're they're doing that, which I like. Amaranta and DeMarco all of them being heavily tied into stories that are going on. So so that was season 6. That was a Forsaken Hunter. That was, and that was the episode, really. I mean, 
I, I guess we give our final thoughts. Uh, tie it all into a lovely bow. And force yeah, before we before we it. before we even say that, before we even say the final thoughts, if you are looking forward to season seven and the captaincy update, and you want our thoughts on that before it launches this week, um, you could go ahead and tune into conversation ten seventeen, ten seventeen, uh, which was where we discussed the not E three Xbox Bethesda show, right, and discuss the Sea of Thieves stuff there. So go check that out. Um, otherwise. Kyle, season six. It's a long one. Final. Yeah. Yes, it was long. It, it was long, uh, but you know what? I I enjoyed most of it. I I, I think that it, it. I was trying to when we set out to do this episode, and you were like compiling the notes, and I was trying to get them started, and I was like, I don't even remember where the season began, and it was it's staggering to me when I realized it started with Sea Forts. Because that seems like such a established thing in the game now. And uh, of course it is because of how long the season was. But, you know, I, I don't think this season will be as consequential as, as the next one will be. Or as, as some of the previous seasons were. But I feel like this is where Sea of Thieves has really gotten into a groove. A, a groove that it will find itself in for the foreseeable future. Where it is juggling all these adventures, these mysteries, as well as as some more low-key stuff with with seasonal progression and everything. And uh, it's definitely made the game as robust as it's ever been. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I think that it's it's the adventures thing is a new thing. They're always... I I feel like almost every other time we talk about Sea of Thieves... We are talking about how they have evolved the way that you're gonna be taking in Sea of Thieves. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, and Adventures is the next step in that, and they're not gonna stop evolving. But like, this is a big one because season six feels so different than every other season, just because the adventures were happening as like this always going thing. Instead of everything comes at the start of the season. And, and so, or, or like all the lore comes in a big story dump. No, it's like adventures are going on and the, the story has evolved to a point that it is uh, constantly happening like real stories do. It's like an episodic thing. And I love that. I love that we've got to that point. And to, I always am, al- I'm always looking backwards at all these different points in the Sea of Thieves history of like, remember for eight months that this is how they did things. And then, Remember how they changed to doing things like this and 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 adventures are the new thing. And season six was the exemplification of that. I'm excited to see where they go with it, what lessons they learn, whether they make the mistake of kind of doing some things a little too often or or whether they hit the right moderation. I'm excited for that. But where season six was at, I loved it. I thought it was perfect. And one of the best things is so many of my friends that play Sea of Thieves maybe more casually than you and I do. They wanted to jump into the game more because these adventures were happening. People who would be like, well, I haven't played in three months, so maybe I'll play. But now they're like, oh, but I want to play every month now because yeah. I want to. I don't want to miss this adventure. I know Mitchell's and, been playing a little bit more because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I've got a lot of friends that are doing that. And oh, it's, brag much? Uh, you know, and I just have so many friends that love me. And 
and love who I am. So, you know, and I just love Sea of Thieves because I'm so great. What were we talking about? This has been a File 2 production. Qué rico.